Hey kids, this is Yoshi, and this episode of podcast is brought to you by Punk Apparel. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI, Y-O-S-H-I, in all caps, at the checkout for 15% off all items. Punk Apparel accepts all major currencies and offer free worldwide shipping. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI. You're listening to Oh Yoshi Did It Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. All right, welcome to the new episode, Yoshiden. I'm back in Culver City at Ernie's house, and uh, I'm really excited. I'm here with Stephen St. Croix, and um, you, you know, adult superstar, and you're very modest. Uh, I, I've always been a fan of yours since Dog Walker with John Leslie, and you were the best actor. And um, it's not surprising that um, you you did his movie because John Leslie was also known as a very famous actor, and you're not only a great performer in adult business but you're one of the best actors i mean oh, I, I, I don't know i don't know how many awards you won so many awards for years so um but are, anyway are you prompting me for a number <laughs> <laughs> oh do, do you know the number i you know i could be really modest and go god i, I don't know how many i've won um but i believe the number uh-huh. is 14 i believe it's 14 and these and these are big awards because ABN, there's a lot xbiz xrco there's there's like a um, you know there's a, 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 a like a triple crown uh, and not last year but the year before I did a movie called Torn and I won the best actor for all three award shows and you were also I remember like a comeback because you were away for a couple of years right? yeah I was gone yeah. for three years I was living in uh, overseas when I say that it sounds like I was in the military but I wasn't I, <laughs> I was overseas. Oh, fighting no i was uh, i was living in france so i definitely was not at war uh, i was living in france i was living uh, on the riviera in the south and uh, i had opened uh, uh i was painting and uh i opened a gallery with my paintings so what well, was again going back to john leslie because john oh, leslie, yeah, sorry. john leslie loved france yeah. he also painted so you, you you guys are actually very similar in that tradition like Great reputation, treating people right, very professional, and I've never heard anything bad about you. And and you guys have a interesting taste outside of the adult business too. You know, John Leslie, I, I, you know, it's basically four years this month we lost him, and uh, yeah. he he really was a decent guy. He really yeah. hated when girls get treated bad, and he made that really clear with people. And uh, yeah, John, you know, John Leslie. I mean, God, you know, dating myself, but. John Leslie was part of the pack of people that got into porn who had some acting experience. They were regular actors who were trying to make it in Hollywood or they were doing theater and um, and doing porn back then in the 70s and 80s was a, you know, was a way to work. It was a way to kind of practice your craft. Yeah. So, you know, a bunch of the Paul Thomas, John Leslie and Harry Reams uh, and uh, God, uh, the, the, the other one that just uh, passed a few years ago too, uh, lived up in San Francisco. These are all, uh, you know, these are guys that could act. So anyway, they got into porn and they do their thing. And John, 
really had a passion for for storytelling so he carried on as a director so i remember the first time he he, he approached me for dog walker and um i remember the one thing that he told me he's like you know he's from jersey too so oh is that right i don't know he he had an east coast vibe about him but he may have been he may have been from chicago or something or indiana or ohio yeah um Anyway, he just said, you know what, listen, he goes, this this role, this is going to be a role that you're going to look back later in your career, however long you stay in this business, and you're going to be proud of it. You're going to want to be proud of it. So he, he motivated me, made me realize that this was serious. It was a lead role in a yeah. film that he was financing. And uh, so I stepped up as best as I could. and And he was just... He was a guy that genuinely liked people. Um, he was very concerned about people treating people correctly. Absolutely. And about being professional. And it's actually a shame that I didn't get to spend that much time with him because he lived up north of San Francisco. He had a beautiful house and this great little plot of land. And, and he was an he was a, a, you know, what they call like a renaissance man. You know, he, he could... He did watercolor, beautiful watercolors. I saw them because his, his wife showed them to me. And um, He was also in jazz uh, band. And he cooked and yeah. he played fucking jazz and he gardened yeah. and he edited his own movies. I mean, this was a guy that just wasn't one note. And he, he, he lived a life of a, of, a, of a human being that had interests. Porn was just something that he did, but he by by far was more than just a porn director and uh and he's one of the good guys and and he i will always i'll always remember him so i'm thankful for him and and i I can't remember the name of the other podcast i was listening to but they were interviewing shana mccullough and she said john leslie was not only a great performer good person but the sexual energy in performing with him it was you know what she really loved working with john and I know um, I've talked to many performers, but you know, you the dog walker. I, I, Avian had like list of the fifty greatest adult movies of all time. Dog walker is always in top fifteen for sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it really is a classic. And I didn't I didn't know if you knew at the time when you were making it, but um, I mean, you know, Christy. Am I saying her name? Christy Lynn was in mm-hmm. there, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. she boy, Christina she, Angel, Christy Lynn, yeah. Isis Nile. Those are some hot fucking women, and they were unique. They were, they, I mean, they were 24, 25, but yeah. they, there was a maturity that, that you don't really see a lot now in, in porn. You know, that's every 18, 19, and they dress them up to look like high school students. But they're, that movie, if you watch the movie, there, there is layers of eroticism in that. It's not, just what you see today where it's like you know hi i'm so-and-so's stepdaughter in from yeah. college and then boom you're you're fucking her there was a story there was a build-up but there i remember in between you know i i wanted to fuck these girls off camera christina angel at the time well i thought was the most beautiful girl unique looking she was she was caucasian but she had asian blood somewhere so she had like these cat eyes yeah and she had this banging body 
And Isis Niles is dark-haired, big-titted chick, and she was exotic-looking. And then you had Christy Lynn. And, uh, they did a slow-mo in that movie when she's riding a horse. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Her ass yeah. was... Jesus Christ. I, I watched Dog Walker um, within the last year, probably nine months ago. I, I think I found it online. You know, Sorry, online. Um, but I, I watched it. I downloaded it. That's right. I, I downloaded it on, online. Um, I watched it. And other than the fact that I was younger and I think my teeth were a little bit more crooked... Uh, it's a good, it's a good film, and it's you know it has a vision. It's unique, and it's just uh, it's a great example of a time that no longer exists. Yeah, yeah, and because back in those days, I think that's probably like last few last years where some of the porn girls actually want to act and like script. But these days, that's really other way around. Most girls rather just show up and fucking not really read any lines or anything oh, yeah, totally. like that. It's a different uh, era. Yeah, I mean, I I've been kind of going through this discussion this theme that you and i are talking about in my uh my documentary that i started filming so you know that this is a common a common uh thing that is brought up it's like the uh the time when people actually cared getting in the business was a career because you wanted to be a performance artist sure it wasn't just oh god i'm 21 and i i really don't want to work for minimum wage and People think I'm hot, so um, I'm just gonna lay on my back and get fucked and yeah. make you know a grand. So, and I completely agree with you because I haven't been to convention the last two years, but I I could tell the girls who are really serious because they know at least basic history of porn. Like mm. if you mention a certain name like Alex Derenzi and and you know, Joy Severa and Stelliano or you know even Mitchell Brothers or something, if if the girls have some knowledge at least you could appreciate that they want to get good at it you know you have to know some sense of history of porn like which performer did what and belladonna is probably the last one from the modern era like she actually know all the directors and performers right. you know and the great ones always uh, not only show up prepared but they have a respect for the whole business mm -hmm. whereas other girls they, you know they're just super young they just want to Get fucked and get money and yeah, you know. they just want to get their money and yeah. buy shoes. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 really different. And you've been around, you know, twenty twenty one years, so you've seen yeah. a lot of changes, you oh, know. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I, I will not talk more of that. But right now, do we have to pause for a station identification? Or something? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. I want. I'm gonna get back uh, before getting detail in porn. Little basic background, you because I didn't know uh, you're one of the few people actually born, raised in L.A. Is that true? Uh, no. Oh no! So I got uh, the, yeah, info wrong. the 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 information on the internet is incorrect. Okay, so yeah, so a little bit about your background. Would, would you? Would well, you I grew up? up. I grew up back east okay. uh, in Connecticut, <clears throat> small town. Um, I grew up. My parents were divorced. So my mom. My mom raised me, um, and uh, you know the town was small. I think I think it was less than nine thousand people. Maybe even less than that because it was four sections of the town it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's country it's farm country anyway so uh you know I, I went to school and and i remember in our school we had um what's called the quasset lake schoolhouse it was the first one-room schoolhouse ever built on the continental united states okay back in the 1600s so they had moved this thing from the lake and they 
planted on the property of the school. So, you know, it's old, old town. I think the town is incorporated in the 1600s. And then I ended up not going to the academy. There was a, a preparatory school, a high school in my town that was pretty well respected. And I ended up going to a trade school. My mom decided that it was be better if I learned a trade, you can always fall back on a trade. Sure. So I went to a tra- you know one of the state trade schools and uh, I learned masonry construction. Um, so that's what I did. And then when I turned eighteen, about a month after, I was I was out of New England. I was uh, I, I wound up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Wait, so how? Do, yeah, how did you just randomly pick? Albert? No, it was actually my mother's doing. Um, you know, I I got in I, the last couple of years in school. I was getting into trouble, um, trying to impress kids. Yeah, and, you know, just being a teenager. You know, so my mom was really worried that I was going to either end up in jail or sure. get killed. That's the way she put it. Yeah, very dramatic. So she bought a ticket. She bought a, a one way bus ticket on Greyhound. And uh, the the right after Christmas vacation, I thought I was going back to school to finish my senior year. And she's like, "Pack your stuff." I'm like, I'm sending, "I'm sending you away." And she chose Albuquerque because my dad had passed through there or lived there for a short amount of time and liked it. And so she's like, "I'm sending you to Albuquerque, New Mexico," and and it was. It was kind of traumatic because growing up in New England, you got trees and hills and full season. Yeah, yeah, and all of a sudden you just you're looking out a window and you just see nothing but fucking brown and desert and like what the? Uh, it's like I landed on the moon. I just went there first time a uh, month and a half ago. I drove from Indianapolis all the way to L.A. and Oklahoma and Texas was really ugly to drive. People are very nice, but it's not a ple- New Mexico is a beautiful place. I mean, uh, Mexico is a beautiful state. It, it, it's it was shocking, and yeah. I stay at. Um, I didn't stay in Albuquerque. Why am I forgetting the other place right by uh, an hour away? Um, the capital, Santa Fe. Yeah, Santa Fe. Okay. And I went to uh, Los Alamos and all yeah, those areas, yeah. and it just just really interesting stay. And uh, Albuquerque is weird because I remember even back then, this was nineteen. This is nineteen eighty seven. Um. You just you're it was like in a time warp like it was 10 years behind mm-hmm. either coast either the west coast or the east coast and like the music was like the music that was playing at the time was just kind of hitting it was weird and i and even if i were to go back and, I, and for the past several months i've been having this itch to go back just to kind of check it out but it it seems like it's just like it's stuck in it's stuck in time. It's just like behind everything. It's really bizarre. And but it's you know it's it's a cool little place if you want to like unplug a little bit, but still live in a city. Yeah, I I'd say fucking move to Albuquerque or you know. <laughs> I drove around because I'm a fan of Breaking Bad, so I went to all oh, the locations and uh, yeah, you, yeah, you could go to Walter White's house and um, his lawyer's place is less than uh, half a mile away. So yeah, I just drove around. And I'm a little disappointed. I don't really think they really captured Albuquerque the way that I remember it. <laughs> right. But they obviously stayed out of the southeast portion of of, <laughs> of the city. Um, 
so, but but so you were in high school. You you didn't even finish high school. She sent you to Albuquerque, and with whom? I mean, my with, bag. That's it. Yeah, you know, she wanted me out of the house. She was just like, "You're 18 now. You're you're an adult. Go do go go do what you're gonna do." Uh, she didn't want to be anywhere near me, getting in trouble or yeah. You know my um. Wait, so I'd be scared too if I was 18 and my mom just yeah, sent me Albuquerque. And so when you my got first night in Albuquerque, I slept in a Greyhound bus station. Right. Because I what had happened. I had gotten kicked off the bus that I was on. Right. Wait, wait, why? From St. Louis to Albuquerque. Because I met some kid uh, who was, like, from Jersey, and he had a guitar. We were just, like, horsing around on the bus. Yeah. Making noise. And this driver, like, kicked <laughs> he kicked us off. I remember he kicked us off in some fucking, like, a bus stop in Oklahoma. And... I remember we had to wait maybe six hours before the next bus, so I don't. Rem- uh, so my stuff was still on the bus, so we had to wait six hours. And the guys in this convenience store slash bus stop were like diehard, like white supremacists, and I I remember them talking talking in a way that I had never heard before because I grew up, my mom was very religious. We went to church three times a week. Yeah. I had to go along with it. Very sheltered life. Right. I remember these guys using the N-word, you know, and, and, and just expressing these crazy yeah. things, you know. There, and it just blew my mind. It just made me realize that I was like, whoa. Like, there's a world out there I don't even fucking know about. Right. Because my mother has not told me any any of this. And so, anyways, when I got to Albuquerque, um, I thought, you know, my shit, I was like, looking for my shit. My shit hadn't arrived. So I ended up, like, sleeping that night in in the bus terminal, which was open 24 hours anyway. Right. And, uh, And then coming to find out my bag was in the back, the fucking person, you know, didn't see it. They got it wrong, right? So yeah, that was my that was that was my first week in adulthood. Was on a Greyhound bus, sleeping overnight in a bus station. Did she give you some money? Oh yeah, yeah, she gave she took out my my savings and gave it to me. And she's like, "This is all you got." So yeah. you know, if you lose this, don't come crying back to me. She she didn't have any money. So. so you- so what do you do? Like, you don't know anyone. You're, you're taking all the shit out of my fucking memoir, dude. I got to write about <laughs> right. this. I can't burn this out. All right, right. No, no. So, so I mean, eventually you find a place and find a job. and uh, Yeah, yeah. I lived I lived and worked in Albuquerque for a year and a half. But you had a technical skill, masonry. I mean, that's Yeah, it. never used it. Never used it. Oh, really? Yeah, I never used it. I never used it as a job. I actually, the uh, and uh, when I was uh, under contract with Vivid, I was uh, living with uh, my girlfriend. She had just bought a house, and she had a, uh, a pot, she had a pet pig, a pot belly, a Vietnamese pot belly pig, and this fucking pig was so fat, and he couldn't get up these two steps into the house because he wanted to go inside and out. So I ended up building an extended, you know, steps with brick with the, the where the treads were sure. a little bit longer, so the fucking pig could get into the house. I mean, that is how I used yeah. four years of of uh, trade craft. Okay. <laughs> so how long did you live in Albuquerque? Year and a half. 
Year and a half. Okay. So um, it was scary at the first. You managed to live there. And then what happened after you live in year? I went on the road. I went on the road. I traveled around. I uh, got this. Um, well, I, I had several jobs. You know, I, bottom line is, uh, you know, I really didn't have a, I, I didn't have a compass point, so yeah. to speak. Didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, I just bounced from one cool thing to another, or what I thought was cool. And they all, after a while, when I left Albuquerque, they all, they all ended up being about three things money women or the chance to be around money right or women so all the jobs that i took that was my motivator so you know i i i did door-to-door sold magazine subscriptions and what they call these mag yeah. mag mag crews did that with the companies and fucking chicks you know in in this traveling group uh, meeting chicks knocking on doors. I mean, I mean there's some crazy stories of, yeah. you know, meeting girls, fucking girls doing this. Uh, you know, I, I was a stripper. I was a male review dancer in, in uh, Florida. Uh, I sold perfume, you know, door to door, you know, business to business. Um, not like going to, you know, truck stops, but, you know, you go into like a, a law office and right. you talk to the secretaries and you're like, Hey, what's your favorite scent? Hey, try this. You like that? Hey, you know, like in the stores, it's like $65 for like a little tiny bottle. You get this big three and a half ounce bottle for just $20, $21.50 with tax. I got to pay the tax. How many do you want? You know, that that was it. And so you got to flirt, meet girls and flirt. Not all the girls are hot, but you know. Yeah. You got you to gotta pick through the weeds to get to the uh, flowers. Wait, so did you go to Florida right after Albuquerque or I don't you know, I forget. Uh I arrived in California in nineteen I think ninety one, I think. Ninety one. Yeah. And, and when I came to California, I came out through San Diego. So like my first introduction to California was San Diego, which I thought was really cool. Was yeah. Like, like had a beach very had a beach town feeling to it. Would you mind talking about uh, when you were dancing? Uh, how how did you get into that? That I got into because I was fucking broke. I had um, found myself in Miami. I had I had fucked this girl over Christmas, and it was good. Fuck, she was a hot, she. This is a hot broad. And it was good fucking sex. And I had it in my mind that I was going to go down there and we were going to have a relationship. Sure. <laughs> and I had very little money in my pocket. And then uh, when I realized that this was not going to happen, I was like, uh, I got to fucking get a job. And I so happened to be staying at a, a hotel on Biscayne Boulevard, 163rd. It was right behind a solid gold strip club, gentlemen's okay. club. Across the street was a club called the Crazy Horse and had been there since the 70s. It was the first club in America that had male dancers. And because are more crazy horses for women? I mean, they were female dancers. Uh, that's the one in Paris. Yeah. Okay, okay. So uh, I'm sure there was, it was a take off that, yeah. that theme. And I literally walked across the street and I saw a little piece of paper, handwritten magic marker, you know, dancers wanted, uh, audition time, such and such. 
And I literally, the ne- I think the next day, I think I went in there. This is crusty old fucking man. I forget his name. He was from Rhode Island. You know, just, you know, thick Coke bottle glasses. Yeah. Where you at? Uh, yeah, I'm here to audition for the dance. Are you a dancer? Uh, no, I've never done it before. All right, I'll be here at uh, 7 o'clock. We've got a show. And uh, just crusty, crusty old cranky <laughs> yeah. motherfucker. So I literally, you know, just I, I, I literally scraped together some type of outfit, and I chose. Did you know how to dance? Songs. I thought I did. Okay. <laughs> I got the job. Yeah. I got the job. Girls were screaming. You know, I think I, I think I, I think I did like, I came out to like George Michael Faith or something. Yeah. So I had the glasses and the jacket and was it packed? I didn't even have a G string. Like I literally had like like a leopard print fucking cheap ass Kmart bikini underwear on. Yeah. You know? And I, I remember walking back in from like the audition basically was in front of a live audience. Go out there, dance for three songs, and come back with some money. <laughs> this big fucking Cuban guy, Jose, he's like I, I can't even I can't even do his accent, but he's like, Do you need to show the ass? He grips my fucking underwear, pulls it up my fucking ass, and I got, you know, obviously a white ass. He's yeah. like, you need to tend that. You need to show them your ass. Yeah. You know? And uh, and that was the start. So um, so I was making money. And, again, it was all these things that I did was all, uh, there was always a, an element of women and money or sex, you know. So... And, and anything surprised you when you started uh, dancing? I was surprised that women were so, you know, they weren't reserved. You know, again, I came from a very sheltered background. Right. So it's a nice painting. Uh, so seeing women act, react the way that they were was crazy. Like, it blew my mind. And I was young. I Were they grabby? I just turned 21. Oh my god. Some of them were, yeah. but the rules were you can't grab. And there's some girls that are just like, you know. Yeah. Nah. So, you know, it's a little bit of both. But you know, this is all part of my it was it was kind of like a a rebirth in a way because everything that I had known up until 18 was really formulated uh under this umbrella of this religious, you know, organization. So wait, so did, so you didn't see? Did you see any pornography when you were a kid? No, no, well, no, well, no I did. I mean, uh, you know, I you always find like you know the fucking magazine out in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just it's the same true everywhere. Pages stuck together from yeah. the elements, and you know, it's bush. You know, uh, yeah. I don't think I had seen. A, I don't think I had seen a movie or, or a video. But I definitely had seen naked pictures. And uh, obviously your mother like probably never talked to you about sex, do you? No, she did. But oh, it was she very, did? It was very clinical. Very clinical. Yeah, you can just kind of picture it. I mean, you know, just this is this is on a woman. This is a man. And he puts that in there. That's when they want to make babies. That's mm. about it. Not about, nothing about discharge. This woman may have a discharge once a month. Or she may stink. Yeah. You know, she may smell like the tuna sandwich that I made for you for lunch today. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing, uh, hygiene, hygiene, you know, 
fucking clean around the head of your dick. That was it. It was just, it was really shitty sex education. So you were somewhat shelter kid, Albuquerque, eventually Miami, and you, you, actually you're getting kind of like early education for the adult business, right? Like you learn to move your body and, you know, uh, excite. uh, I was learning, I was learning about sex. Right. I was a virgin until I was 18. You know, I didn't lose my virginity until after I was out of the house when I was in Albuquerque. But in that mean, in in that, those two years, I fucking went to town. I fucked. Yeah. I I forgot what the number was. Like, like if I told you, you'd go, what? Like, I I was fucking as much as I could. And I was still shy, too. Yeah. So instead of being, I shouldn't say forceful, but kind of pushing the, if a girl, if a girl obviously is hanging out with me and she liked me, you know, I would fucking hang out for four hours waiting for that right moment to make a move. Yeah. You're a kid. Yeah. You know? And even with that, I was still fucking chicks, you know? And I loved it. I mean, my first time, I was like, I'm crossing that line. But then after that, I was like, this is fucking great. Great. Loved it. And and I was good at it, you know? Girls were happy, you know? And, and, And I had a... I didn't know it, but I had a good sized dick. This is before I broke it, you know, in yeah. the business. But you know, I had a nice fucking good piece of meat for the girls, so they weren't complaining, you know. And uh, and I enjoyed sex, so yeah, it was a little bit of a kind of relearning my myself as an adult and as an object of sexual desire for women. So. You know, there's there's a, a time there where you're kind of you can just kind of feel like you're just a sexual object, uh, which can be dangerous. You know, uh, kind of lose whatever humanity. But you know, watching porn, uh, seeing porn, it's like oh, I could do that. Like I, I would see the acting. I'm like I can I can fucking repeat lines and play a part. I should be doing this. And I tried a couple times to get into the business when Jim South had his world modeling. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And I went in, I, I, I remember Sher- I went in there a couple of Sherman times with, with some friends. It's in Sherman Oaks in uh, Van Nuys Boulevard, be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Van Nuys. And, uh, you know, I got the, you know, obviously I wasn't bringing a girl in with me. It was just me. So I'm sure plenty of guys walked in there going, oh, I'm going right. to do porn. And I got, you know, uh, come back. We're, kind of, we're all full now. So, yeah, I had a, you know, I had a, I wanted to, I wanted to do porn. I wanted to be in porn movies. So from Florida, eventually you entered California via yeah. San Diego. Yeah. And what were you doing in San Diego? I was doing some other bullshit job. Okay. No. And what led, I, I might have misread, but you were working for some production company that eventually. Yeah, I was working. I got a job. Uh, I was on the phone selling videos for Arrow. And Arrow, they produced a bunch of movies, yeah. but Deep Throat's the most well-known. And the guy that ran Arrow, his cousin was Ron Jeremy. So Jerry Garfinkel was his name. Calls me in. He's like, wait, is that right? So yeah, Ron Jerry Jeremy's Garfinkel. cousin? Oh, yeah, wow. Jerry Garfinkel. Okay. He calls me in. He goes, hey, uh, this, you know, uh, we're doing a movie. We need a production assistant. You want to work a couple of days? We'll pay you cash. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Awesome. And my back, like, I'm. Playing it cool to him, sure. you know. Back of my mind, I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" Yeah, be on a set, you know. So, 
Ron Jeremy comes in the next day or day after. There's my cousin. Of course, you know Ron Jeremy. And I, I knew Ron Jeremy. I'm like, hey, you know, playing it cool. So you ever done PA work? I'm like, no, but, you know, I got this. I got it handled. Get the lube, get the towels, clean up the set. Sure. You know, buy food for the fucking crew. So I think it was a two-day shoot, I think, back then. Two days? Yeah. Uh, and so what had ha- they had put me in the movie in a little extra part. It was me and Ron Vogel. And uh, we were at these controls. We were like part of a secret agent organization. But one of the actors that was in the movie, his name was... Uh, oh, shit. Now, it's, now I'm dropping it. He was with... Sunrise, not Sunrise Adams, but the other, her sister or her cousin. Wait, the original. They're, they're, uh, there's, uh, there's Sunrise Adams and there's Sunset, Sunset Thomas. Sunset. Chad Thomas. Chad Thomas, who was with Sunset Thomas. He was in this movie. He's playing this FBI agent. On the second day, he's got another scene somewhere else. So he goes to do the scene. And when he's coming back, it was late at night. He got pulled over, speeding, had warrants. They arrest him. And he calls from the jail. He's like, I can't make it in. I'm in the I'm in the jail. So this, and this is, is like, one this of is those. This is 1992. So this is like 11 o'clock at night, calling landlines. Like people had answering machines yeah. with tape. Calling landlines, leaving messages. We need somebody to come in and do this scene. Nobody's returning the call. I think it was a Sunday. Saturday or Sunday. And this is one of those moments, right? Changed people's lives. This is a moment out yeah. of a fucking movie. Yeah. yeah. So I literally... They're waiting, and they're waiting. They want to finish this movie. It's the, it's the last scene of the movie. And I take Ron and Jerry out in the parking lot. I'm like, listen, guys, um, I can do this scene. You know, and they, you get that kind of 10-second look. And they're yeah. kind of looking at you. It's like, this guy's either crazy or he's serious. Yeah. So <laughs> how do I place my bet? And I said, listen, I said, number one, I said, uh, I, I've been giving blood at this blood bank for like seven months. So they give you a card every time that yeah. you were cleared and you didn't have, you know, HIV. Uh, so I said, that's, that's what I have. I don't have these, this test that you guys have, but yeah. this, I've been doing this. I mean, looking back at it now, it wasn't, it you know, wasn't safe, but you know, <laughs> I, I wasn't yeah. hiding anything. And then secondly, I said, uh, I they go, well, you know, it's, um, it's a lot, harder than most people think you've yeah. got people around you and lights and stuff i said which is true i i fucked a girl on a pool table and in, in a bar in front of about 30 patrons and her brother i don't have any fear of the crowd yeah and i think that just kind of sold it for them they're like all right well let's go talk to and they talked to the girl and they explained the situation and what did you do the first scene with i'll Never. tell you okay so they they said it's up to you you want to give this this kid a try she's like yeah let's try it out and we did the scene and uh did the scene and after the scene uh i remember the girl the girl was uh tina tyler okay and she had a black wig on in the movie she looked like uh aja i I pronounce it aja because if i say asia you'll think it's asia carrera i think it was aja so th- so I was just rock hard and I was even though when it started I wasn't nervous when it started I just kind of felt like yeah this is perfectly it's like perfectly normal behavior for me yeah yeah I got a fucking big dude the fucking 45 pound beta camera behind me on my right 
Got a fucking hot light between my legs. I'm opening up my hips out so you can yeah. see the penetration. It was totally normal. It, it, it would have been like, a, you know, went out in the field and uh, took a snap and threw a, you know, 65-yard, you know, touchdown. Or it's almost whatever. like you're a doctor and somebody's in the restaurant. Is there a doctor in the house? You ran in. You, you <laughs> exactly. Do, you do your thing, exactly. right? Yeah. 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 But So that was a start. But you know, I have to say, for most people doing the first time, I, my, my, it's it's not easy. It's not no. easy, and you, uh, you have to have several things. You you have to have the ability to block out yeah. whatever's going on, focus on the girl. You you need to have a hunger for women. I love women as stupid and as crazy as they are, uh, and as nutty as they are. Um, man, you know, I love them. I love all shapes and sizes. Like I am, I just you know, man. You know, it's just it doesn't stop, and that's just the way that I'm wired. It's sure. how I'm wired. It's how my dad was wired. My brother, my younger brother, is wired. It's just in our family. It's just like, you know, my dad was a ladies' man, and he got you know he he swung some wood around in his time, and uh, my brother the same thing. It's just that's in our DNA. So. You gotta love women, and you gotta find something about them that they like. Like I'm an everything man. I could be a tit man, a leg man, a butt man, but if I a foot man, it could be a girl's voice. You know, if I latch onto that and I like that, that's what carries me. Now, in opposition to that, if a girl's got a fucking attitude, yes, or she's not clean, or she's sloppy, or she acts like she's never been on a porn set before. What are you? What are we doing now? What position? You know, I'm just like, really, sweetheart, you're killing it for me. But if a girl comes in prepared, happy to be like, yeah, I get, I get, you know, get fucked, and I get a check. She's got a great attitude. She's clean. She's she's into it. She's not. Oh, my pussy's sore. Don't don't fuck me so hard. Like, you don't need fucking Viagra. Yeah, you don't need Vi. In my mind, you know, there are times when. You need a little extra help. You're working a lot or you know, some shit's going on or your body's just run down or you're sick or whatever, yeah. you know. But, uh, you know, there's a a, a huge uh, portion of guys that have come into the several years where they just think, I don't even have to think about it. I'll just take a pill. My dick will be hard. Well, guess what? It looks like you're sticking your dick in a fucking... A potato sack, right? Because you're just, you know, it's you're you, you don't you're not hungry for the girl. If you were hungry for the girl, you'd have a hard on. You wouldn't need a fucking pill. But these guys are just like uh, my abs. Yeah, everything. Well, my washboard abs are showing. Everything changed, Ron. And I'm a little jealous because I never had washboard abs. <laughs> but it's, you know, because I'm lazy. It it just seems like ever since Viagra, you know, like oh yeah, everybody wants a magic pill for something. Yeah, it's like sprinkle some fucking oil on your head. Hey, you got a full head of hair. Really, sixty five years old with a full head of hair. Yeah, is that really supposed to be really? Does that really sound natural? Does that look natural? You know, yeah. Uh, picking a pill. For, I'll tell you what the cure for erectile dysfunction is. Okay, it's marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nagging fat wives bugging their husbands that they're not doing enough and buy me a fucking purse that is what causes erectile dysfunction it is the emasculation of men in today's culture that's what's calling ed it's not the guy i mean a little bit of the diet but you know if if, if your wife is nagging you fucking that should motivate you to get outside and exercise i i get 
you know, I'm just to walk, walk for an hour so you don't have to hear her. You'd yeah. lose weight. I, you know, I'm 45 and I think we're about the same age. And uh, no, I'm not. I'm 27. <laughs> okay, I'm, You're an old fucking man. Oh, man. <laughs> and you, you don't look a day over 28, though. Seriously. See, you, you're blessed because you got, you got that Asian thing where yeah. you can be like 60 and look 40. So that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not married. I mean, there's times when I meet some of my friends with a successful marriage. They seem very happy, and if they have a good kids, it looks wonderful. Yeah. But inversely, when I have a friends who are not happy with their marriage anymore, have a kids with problems, it, it just it really drains you. Yeah. And of course, you want to love your wives, but I don't think my friends, some of my friends, being honest, it's like you, you rather be with your wife in a, a kind of unhappy marriage or well, see a 20 year old girl with like just bum ass 20 year old body they're you know? scared because the 20 year old girl requires work it requires a conversation mm -hmm. you gotta look you know you gotta be on your game gotta look good lose belly uh there's a, there's a safety and a security of knowing that <laughs> if that for your wife if she's you know if she's a six and you're a pretty handsome guy or were, you know, she's you're the best she's going to get. Right. So she's not going to leave you unless you fuck it up, which you will. You will fuck it up. You'll fuck it up just by waking up. Right. You don't have to do anything. You could just you know, wake up and fucking that's it. You're getting divorced. Were you married? No. Okay. No. No. Okay. I've never... I've never been married, and I, and I honestly, I'm fairly sure I will never get married. Now, and that is not to say that I would not uh, like a, a, a relationship, sure. a monogamous relationship. I have been in long-term relationships several times during my adulthood. To me, the way I look at marriage is marriage is nothing but a permission slip from the government right. to marry somebody, and then... When you look at what happens when the marriage doesn't work out, it's heavily uh, favors the women, and it really t it it just if you were to take the union of marriage and apply it to two companies that want to join together, sure, and the lawyers from the company that wanted to do the merger and the lawyers from the divorce, they got together and they talked about what happens when this merger goes through, and then well we're, we're going to dissolve the company. They they would look at the the divorce lawyers going what that is crazy two people can get together and they one can have five dollars in their pocket and one can have a hundred dollars and when they get done the person with five dollars in the pocket walks away with eighty dollars of the other person's money and visitation rights yeah. of the children and you have to pay that person for the use of their vagina for the next eighteen years because you had a kid. That's yeah. cr you know, and Tom Likas and other guys have like, I don't want to sound like I'm stealing material because I'm not, but I, I'm, to me that is just absolutely crazy. And nobody, no, there's some people that go, mm, it's not fair, but I'm surprised that there hasn't been a major shift like against marriage. Just it's not needed. It's not needed. If you love somebody, you want to be with them, go be with them. And when it doesn't, when it when it stops being good, then just leave, just part ways. It's okay. Yeah, it can last three weeks. I've had relationships last five hours. 
fucking the best five hours of my <laughs> seriously you, you're you're right. laughing dude yeah. I but that's had, a six-year relationship right but you know, listen yeah. just because there was sex involved doesn't mean that there wasn't a relationship sure uh, it's all about the emotion i've had you know i i remember bre just recently this 24 year old uh we had we had the the, <laughs> the emotions that i was feeling and the the way that the sex was I, it was like the best sex I had in 15 years. It was crazy. And I was just like... Is she in the, in the business or... She is. Okay. Yeah. And it was... Uh, yeah, because if, if, if she wasn't, there's no way I could get a 24-year-old. But I remember just going, wow, that was intense. And then the following times where we tried to hook up and it just it got weird it was yeah. like she'd go ghost and then she wouldn't reply to my text like 12 hours later and then her schedule and then um then recently she she reached out to me again and she said something she's like you know i, I can't get you out of my my fucking mind like it's the best sex i've ever had and she's in the business yeah she's she's getting fucked and uh but and, I, and I just didn't reply, and and she's like, "Is it? Is it? Am I just the only one that's feeling, you know, yeah. this stuff?" And I'm like, "Yeah, pretty much. It's like I can't can't go there. Like we had our moment. It, it was great. I love it, but yeah, it's it's time to move on. And it was great. You know, I will always cherish it. And then I've had relationships. You know, two years, four years. Because I I don't I think if. Did I read it right? You're not one of those guys that like you're cool with like your girlfriend fucking Getting other cloud. guy in uh, other you know movies and stuff like that. Because yeah. I'm, I'm always well, I, the relationships. Uh, uh, two of the relationships that I I had were named stars and you know Diana Loren who's a vivid girl and Kehlani Lay who was a oh, wicked wow. contract girl. Mm -hmm. So you know there's just that was part of the you know that was the, you know that was part of the. Uh, kit i guess i can't think of the other way to say it it's like i was fucking she was they were doing scenes um it's, and, and it's, they were okay as long as it was just uh film and it's yeah work, work, yeah right? um yeah. asakira told me same thing about tony riva it's like it's okay as long as it's work yeah, yeah. but if it's like you Outside meet somebody it, yeah. and you chase them and it's, it's not work related you know they're offended yeah yeah i i would i guess at the time i kind of had that same mentality you know nowadays man i you know I'm, i've kind of changed my mm -hmm. my way of of thinking about that i mean i i would prefer you know ideally i would prefer to be the type of person that um that is with somebody who uh just uh, i'm totally enthralled with and i don't even look at other girls right but the fact of the matter is i can you know i get horny yeah you know, and I, I can i can get done with the scene i could do two cum shots in a scene and fuck my brains out and uh, an hour later i'll be driving down sunset plaza and i'll see some girl in a short summer fucking dress and heels and i'm i want it you know i, I don't think it's a sickness but i, I it's i i just ooh, new she could be a redhead bam great oh there's a brunette she's from brazil I wish I could be the person that's with that is with somebody that's like you know what, babe. I don't even look at anybody else. You're you're the best. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, I'm not going to find a girl. For most like that. times, that's a lie. Yeah, yeah, most of the time, that's a lie. And then and and I'm if I'm going to have a desire 
to fuck my neighbor who just moved in, then to be fair, I should probably let the girl that I'm with, hey, you meet somebody and you, you know you find them compelling and you want to do something. I, I guess I should let them do it. Yeah, as long as they're being safe and smart about it and be honest about yeah. it. Yeah, but you know, I just I don't have time for relationships anymore. You know, I don't. Well, you're keeping yourself busy with this yeah, documentary, second book, and yeah. uh, pitching other ideas. Um, I'm glad well, I saw. <laughs> God, what are you that was real, folks. Um, I'm glad I saw you because I saw you maybe three weeks ago um, at the Jason Riles. I didn't know you don't you knew Jason Riles. Yeah, comedian. yeah, I met, I met Jason um, a while back. Uh, <laughs> we somehow, we somehow. I don't know, man. We we must have like got sent through a wormhole or something, but we ended up on this fucking show. This chick, this old lady who professes to be a doctor or something, and she's oh, she's, is this in downtown LA? Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how I got roped into this show. I really don't. Anyway, so I I was like, oh, comedian. I know some comedians. I looked up Jason Rouse and I saw his his shows, and I was like, oh, I love this fucking guy. Yeah. I he's just, the one who took me to Europe, and um, we've been doing shows for the last four or five years. Yeah, he's so irreverent, and and it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, he's just fucking good, and whether or not fucking he he hits big, Mainstream. but he's like in the vein, you know, not in the same vein, but he's like, you know, the Sam uh, Sam Kennison, you know, and 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 uh, who's who's the guy uh, who's like. The, the started back in New York, um, Lenny Bruce. Yeah, he's in. He's just so nice. out there, and the stuff that he says is just goes against everything that is politically correct and what you're even comfortable thinking yourself. But it's fucking funny, and, and he's a really nice guy. Yeah, he's, he's a, a sweet really guy. guy. Sweet guy. Yeah, he just played this like a weirdo, crazy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it works, man. And it's so. What I love about it is, I love to see how people. Who aren't, you know, they're not used to this. They get really uncomfortable. I love seeing people how they are when they're uncomfortable, especially with that. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And I know you have a book, and you answer most of it. So uh, I'll ask a couple of questions, and then you I... got a fucking hot date or something like that. You trying to kick me out of here? You're no, fucking no, no. trying to wrap this up. <laughs> you went from Albuquerque, yeah, twenty five years ago to fucking I, I my book last year. Is this how you work? <laughs> You're just, just gonna just, fuck me and then just kick just, me out the door? Just all over the place. <laughs> I mean, some some performers. All don't, right, well, let's go back. Let's but go back. The, some performers don't like like mentioning their favorite pe girls that they work with, you know. And uh, 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 you, I did. But do you don't mind talking about some of the ones you like? No. Okay. Did you buy the book? I'm going to. <laughs> well, so you know, just to tell everybody what's going on. So I wrote a book called Porn Star, Everything You Want to Know and Are Embarrassed to Ask. And Great reviews. Nothing but five stars. And complaints. I'm going for the Michelin star next year. So <laughs> hopefully I get that. Um, on, on two complaints that keep you hearing over and over, which is the book should be, they wish your book was longer and they wish you would have mentioned names. This is odd yeah. because I say that about my dick. I wish it were longer and... <laughs> I got too many names on my dick. No, uh, yeah, you know, I appreciate that, and that's that's great. And and again, um, it was it served two purposes. One was kind of test the waters because mm -hmm. I really wanted to write a memoir about my my time in the business and my time away from the business. Sure, I left twice while I, in, you know, 
in this business and went pursuing other things. And um, and then secondly, uh, just kind of tell a guy's perspective. You know, every if you were to ask a twenty-year-old guy, you'd be a rock star, famous athlete, movie star, uh, author, yeah. porn star. Everybody's ears are perked up and go, porn star. Fuck yeah, man. You know, fuck hot chicks and get paid for it. I knew. Where I, do I sign up? And I knew many major league baseball players, and you know these are like professional players make millions yeah but when i talk when i meet them individually like, who do you know who do you know yeah, yeah. in yeah. fact um i even brought joy severa to a yankees game and i got him a, a on-field pass so he was down there and of course Derek Jeter and a-rock can be seen even right. though they were kind of laughing because they knew who he was yeah. but other guys Man, they they had they had a field. They just yeah, taking yeah. picture with Joey Severo, you know. I, me I remember one time I, I was I was doing a scene on the set downtown, and somebody brought I think it was a uh, this guy Mark Webb who used to play professional ball, and he brought <laughs> I remember uh, J T Snow was one. Of, I should probably shouldn't mention names. <laughs> I'm fairly sure it was J T Snow though, and uh, a bunch of other. Uh, were they Angels or they were San Francisco Giants? I think they were Giants at the time, and they were playing the Angels. Brought them to the set, which is really weird because I'm banging this chick in the shower. Yeah. And they're watching the scene. There's like seven of them. They're behind the monitor with the director, and they're yeah. watching the scene. And then after the girl leaves, the director's like, okay, put your head underneath the shower. Just kind of let the water just kind of run down your body. You're soaping yourself. All right, slower. It's like turning into a solo fucking shower scene, yeah. and I'm going, there's seven fucking Guys. San Francisco giants <laughs> Giant. that are probably just going, all right, now is the time that I turn around. Right. You know? And it was a little awkward, and I felt myself, I was editing myself. I was like, you know, holding in the stomach a bit, and I'm like, you know, try, trying to flex and trying to do it like a brute commercial. Like, I hope this is, I hope this is straight enough, but yeah. sexy enough. I don't know. It was not a position I want to be in, but yeah, people are enamored with the life of the of a porn star. So I wrote this book, and it was, uh, you know, I, 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 it was short because, mm -hmm. unfortunately, in today's society, it's a short attention span. It's like, you know, 160 characters and, and people, you know, too long, didn't read. This right. is, you know. So I said, well, let me just write something, give uh, as broad of a stroke, cover as much as I could, but give details. Um, but, you know, I, I will go into it more when I write my memoir, which, um, you know, will, will take some time. Well, and what's the what what has been the reaction to the book once you released it? Um, did, well, any, did anybody surprise you by email that uh, liked the book? And no, um, no. I mean, it's you know, it's social media. People don't really send emails. It's like, hey, I like it, or read your book. But yeah, I mean, I think there was a couple bad reviews on there, and whatever. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Sure. Um, there's probably some grammatical errors because I'm not a fucking English, you know, major. Right. And uh, and probably some spelling errors. And uh, and I, I went through two editing processes. So, you know, shit slips through. But I wanted to write it in a conversational way. Right. That you and I would speak in. So, yeah, there's going to be grammatical errors. But the, the gist of it was I wanted to let people know what it, it was like for me. And uh, so... 
it was received well, and and you know, uh, that's without any publicity. That's without the benefit of going on Howard Stern or, you know, it's it's that kind of. People ask me why I didn't go through a publisher. Well, because a publisher would have fucked it up. Publisher would have come back with all these notes, and they just it would have been another homogenized version of, you know, a cleaned up, whitewashed version. That's why did you have to worry about lawsuits and things like that? What? Did you have to worry about lawsuit? No, no, no. It's just you know, people still hold on to this idea that if well, if you if you weren't published by a brick and mortar, a brick and mortar publishing house, then you're really not published. That's bullshit. Like Amazon changed the game. Right. There's so many self-published, they're millionaire fucking authors that were self-published, and uh, I'm not saying that you know I'm going to be a millionaire, but it doesn't, you know, the bottom line is that the gatekeepers that were deciding who and what was being published, they no longer matter because you can't, if you have something to say, you got a song, music, book, fucking screenplay, you got a fucking TV show, web series you want to do, you just go out, shoot it, write it, record it, and you got a way to get it out there. And if it's good and people like it, it you know it'll 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 get attention right and, uh, so yeah i didn't want to jump through hoops i didn't want to go through fucking meetings and fly to fucking new york and honestly the content you can't put this on a bookstore in borders on a bookshelf in borders and expect it to be there for three months along with you know harry potter or something yeah or dan brown or something like that it's not, you know, even even the Fifty Shades of Grey book, like, listen, you know, that author, that author's making some fucking bank and good on her, I think it's. A, yeah. But she was a it is not man. the it is not the book on and it's BDSM light. And unfortunately, I don't believe that she's maybe even dabbled or participated in it. Now, I would have rather seen a book that was written by somebody who's done it who could find out a way to write it in a narrative form and introduce it to other people. But with that said, book selling, it's made into a movie. A lot of people are, 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 are uh, you know, they're starting to discuss it. Couples are starting to. You know, they're looking at it as like, oh, this is something that we can do to kind of spark up our uh, our love life. And I have to say, it's because porn had influence on mainstream society. They don't get credit for it. But, yeah. I mean, you know, Sex in the City, anytime they had sex toys on it, when I used to work at a retail place, next day, shitload of ladies would show yeah. up and buy the stuff. Yeah. Howard Stern show. And now, I mean. Well, it's the same way when, you know, fucking 101 Dalmatians comes out. Next thing you know, their fucking Dalmatian puppies are being adopted, yeah. and then three months later, they're going to the shelters. So there's, a, a, there's always an uptick, and, and then nobody wants to acknowledge why. And even like when I worked with Stelliano, his masterpiece, Fascinista, it's interesting to see Fifty Shades coming out because, I mean, you know, John Dick covered a lot of that mm -hmm. stuff in there, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, would you, name, could you, could you name, like, put, I'm putting you a spot. Five of the uh, girls favorites? that you work, yeah, or oh, ten, whatever. Just um, 
not in any particular order, but I'll, I'll throw you some names. Okay. Uh, and these are girls that I may I probably worked with once or twice or more, um, but they were just I loved I loved their energy. I just they they were fun. They were pretty to look at. They were great at sex. Um, God, now you're putting me on the spot. Now not in order. A blank. Fuck. Um, Lena. Um, Christina Angel, um, you know, Julia Ann. Well, uh, and what was she like to work with? She's hot. I mean, she's... She's very sweet. I remember meeting her at convention both times. She's, uh, you know, it's weird. I've, I've been, you know, I have been fucking her constantly. But, like, uh, you know, I fucked her when I was rather new in the business. Yeah. And she was fairly new, too. And then we just worked together a, f- a few months ago. Um, she's really sexy. I, I mean, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She is. Uh, there's, like, honestly, dude, you really put me on a spot, and I'm totally drawing a blank. But there's, there's about twenty names that I mentioned in in my book, which okay. is on Amazon. And um, yeah, these are these they they stick in my mind. Did you ever work with Belladonna? I did, and unfortunately, I, you know, she wasn't Belladonna really when I worked with her. It was kind of like a it's kind of a gonzo scene. Uh, and she was great to work with, but she wasn't like the sexual creature she kind of became. Later on. This mm-hmm. fuck freak, you know. Uh, but we still had a good time. Um, what about Brianna Banks? I did work with her, but I, I didn't work with her in the beginning. It was kind of a little bit in the second chapters, second, third, fourth chapters of her career. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a little, you know, the expiration date yeah. maybe was coming up really fast as opposed to like freshly out of because uh, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out because you were the first man to be contract performer for Vivid right, right. Yeah. yeah and uh, first guy to have a contract in in the business was with Vivid and there was a second guy because John Doe was also signed and did he, you know him well? No, not well enough. I mean, honestly, the person that I've known the most is probably Mark Davis. Um, John Doe and Mark Davis knew each other. You know, I, I was very sad when he, you know, killed himself, and uh, I didn't really know him. But every time I met him, he was really—he really was a complicated kind. guy. He had yeah. a lot of demons. He had yeah. a lot of demons. He had a lot of you know things going on, and he, I got a sense of that. So I kind of. You know, I just steered clear. You know, I yeah. wasn't trying. Can't can't force yourself to be friends with somebody, even if you're in the same industry. Right. Or, you know, I, I I sometimes compare what we do a little bit like, or what happens to us a little bit like soldiers in uh, in battle. If you've seen this movie Restrepo, these guys are in oh, Afghanistan yeah. in the Korongo Valley, and you know they they go through this period of time and there's a brotherhood and they live and die for them and not for their country and so there is a bit of solidarity or not solidarity there's a there's a, little, a bit of a brotherhood sure. all the guys that have been in it for years kind of know you know not a, not every scene is a home run uh not every chick is like yeah you're excited to work with you know, everybody has their their demons, or whatever. It's their family, or the girlfriends, or it's drugs and alcohol, or it's just how they view themselves. You know, we're we're humans, and we have 
all the all the ups and downs that other people have and on top of that now we use our sex as a currency and we have sex on camera for the enjoyment of others and yeah we get paid but I I, um, I remember meeting Mark Davis first time like first year that I went to convention in 1999 he was a really really nice guy and yeah. I think around 2000 I didn't know I was at the Santa Monica or Venice Beach or something but there was a postcard and then young Mark Davis one of those swims you know those yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. those postcards welcome, get, to, welcome to California to LA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he was the young yeah yeah I mean he looked like he a was kid. the handsome motherfucker yeah he uh, when we first met we were we were shooting for director Roy Brewington out in San Bernardino yeah and uh, you know he had a full head of hair he was probably 175 pounds ripped and just he was a sweet guy then and I you know, I, I remember, you know, I was young when I got in the business, but people said I was good looking or handsome or mysterious or whatever. But I remember going, oh, fuck, this guy's fucking, I'm going to lose work. Thank God Mark Davis couldn't act for shit. Uh, <laughs> I love him. Um, he hated acting. But, yeah, he was a good looking guy. He had, he, he had won, he had won, I believe, st the Star Search international model um he had won it or appeared on it i don't want to get the facts wrong but like yeah he was yeah he's, a, he's a, i mean looking guy. you both are good looking guys still what are you talking yeah. about well he's like yeah. classic you know light blue eyes and full head of hair and yeah he looked like uh like what like if jfk jr had been a a fucking you know <laughs> a model yeah that it, it would have been or if if somebody were to play, play JFK Jr. in some porn, it would have been Mark, Mark Davis, Davis. Yeah, without the the accent. Yeah, so I, I I like this idea of you interviewing male talent because obviously you know if you're a heterosexual man, only thing you really care about is the girl, and you know some guys like a power because he look average guy. No, he's so, not threatening. Yeah, so yeah. most guys who watch his movie could fantasize like if if that girl's willing to fuck this average-looking guy, <laughs> overweight average guy, then I could fantasize like this is possibility for me. And this other end is like where you and Mark Davis and Young Rocco and Manuel Ferreira, the yeah. good-looking guys, fucking the shit out of the girls, and, and girls are into it too, you mm -hmm. know. And um, yeah, it's, well, I remember you know before. Uh, before I got in the business, you know, I would watch movies and I would see Randy Spears. Yeah. A lot of videos. He was a good looking guy. He, you know, he had like a soap star look, you know, and uh, he, uh, he was charming on screen. So when I, when I finally, you know, did kind of was around sets, I, I you know, I was just like, man, you know, watch your movies. Just like fucking, it's wow. And, you know, you idolize them and then you, you get to know them and their individuals, you know. It's weird because like after like I remember looking at Randy going, oh my God, it's like this guy just stepped off a screen. Yeah. And then after a while, it's just like, oh, hey, Randy, what's up? Yeah. It's uh, it's a weird relationship I think um, we have with with people on TV. It's uh, you know, we have this relationship uh, that we make in our head mm -hmm. with either their characters or with them, and they're so. 
you know, in this day and age where they're, they're having to do not just the TV show or the movie, but they got to do publicity and behind the scenes. They got to appear to be as regular as possible. You know, you get to see certain aspects of them. They're like, oh, they're like, they're like my buddy Larry. So you develop this relationship. You really feel, whether it's true or not, that you know them. And yeah. Then you see them on the street and you, you want to, hey, Larry. You you want to you feel like you know them and and you really don't you know it's all just smoke and mirrors it's just an act. Uh, but you know fans like you know radio personality and comedians and porn star because those three groups are more accessible to public because right. if you're a major major Hollywood star like how I know what's the chance the average person actually meeting them, talk to them, you know? So you guys are so accessible. Like, I remember the year 1999 when I went to the convention for the first time. I was shocked how accessible you guys were. Like, <laughs> you know, because uh, people who watch porn... Like, well, because we can't afford bodyguards. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know the girls, some of the gr bigger names will get them, but, um, you know, I remember seeing you say hi. I think I have even have an album taking picture with you, maybe in 2000. Brandon Iron is like one of my closest friends in the business. And, you know, uh, Mark Davis is great. And, you know, for me, I'm like, wow, this is this is just amazing to me. Right. Because back in those days, convention was really big. That was a big deal, man. Yeah. That was a big deal. I mean, I, I haven't been on the floor now. It's downsized a lot. And it's moved um, locations, venues. But, yeah. I You know, I think what happened, actually, I think the those shows dwindled in numbers when the internet 2.0 when yeah social media and the new internet uh really killed yeah, it. When, when did it go 2.0 in, in 99 or 2002 there was like the original internet that had been around they just yeah. kind of like you know kind of rigged it to kind of hold all the shit and then when everybody switched over to was it html html or flash or whatever there was internet 2.0 like yeah brand new internet i don't think people realize this but yeah it was it was like taking an old rickety railroad and then actually, you know, putting like a bullet train on it and shoring it up. So, I think once people had access to these people like us, you know, people in the industry, Twitter, social media, making little video clips, I think that inversely affected people traveling to Vegas or to these other expo shows to to get an autograph. Or to it get, really killed it. Get a you know? Polaroid. It did. Yeah. Because I started going 99. Every time I went, it just, I, I'm telling you, I mean, you fuck for living. So maybe you get jaded because you're with girl. But for someone who's not in the business, it, it's, that's the closest thing to it's like heaven. who let all the porn stars out? It's like, yeah. where'd they go? Somebody like opened the fence and they all just fucking. My look. head starts spinning because I just recognize just about every girl and like. Oh, they, now you do? No, not anymore, but oh, like, yeah. like 99, like, yeah. you know, I went from 99 until 2012. I went to every convention, even the one in between, like Erotica LA and Venus Fair in Venus Berlin. And the oh, one you went in to that one. Yeah, I've been. That one is crazy. Crazy. That's, and, I want to go back. I really want to go back. I was there in Berlin for a week. Um, Did you go to Kit Kat Club? No, but I, I went to some place very cool. Yeah. Uh, I went to. Um, at the t it may still be there. It was called um, uh, Berlin Manor or Manor Berlin, but it was basically a cat house and a and a residential house, a really yeah. nice residential house in this residential neighborhood, Berlin. 
and I went there with a couple friends, and the most beautiful fucking girls were there. And they had all, they had all different types. They had a they had a black girl from Chad, or Guyana, or something like that. They had Russian, Ukrainian, Spanish, Portuguese, and it, I, I remember going there, and I was I was in a relationship at the time with uh, with Kehlani, and uh, and I remember going to my head going. Mm-hmm. If I if I pay for one of these girls tonight, will she be mad? Is that, am I cheating on her? Because yeah. technically we're in the same line of work. We're just sharing our craft. <laughs> you know, uh, it's all porn related. I, I was trying to reason my way into why it would be okay. I, I ended up not doing anything. Um, but yeah, it was it was cool, and it was just you know the whole European sentiment and the the mentality about porn you know there's no hang up on on it and not at all and and they, and they're they, filthy motherfuckers they, too they have live sex show at the <laughs> barcelona convention that's the first time i saw steve holmes and like i didn't really know who he was yeah um i i got in trouble he doesn't remember but i think a month before i was at the berlin fair and he was at the booth in suit so i thought steve was boss or something and um with him was the romanian girl uh sandra romaine so she was she was taking pictures you know topless and spreading her legs so when steve wasn't looking and i was taking picture with on there and she didn't care so i went down on her on the convention floor and there's no way you could do that in la i mean you know one in vegas right right you know and steve said hey you can't you can't do that i mean i don't know maybe he was half jokingly said it but I was shocked that you could get away with that in mm-hmm. Berlin. But the Barcelona where I saw Steve, I didn't know he was a performer. Um, two girls on stage said, uh, we needed somebody to fuck us. And like Steve just raised your hand, like acting like a regular Joe. Mm-hmm. I think it's, that's the way I remember. With the setup. Yeah. And he went up and he fucked both of them. And mm-hmm. like there's like 500, maybe 700 people just, you know, cheering for him. And yeah, it's just. I don't, I don't know. I've never done a live sex show. I don't think I've ever done a live sex show. I don't think I could. I really, I, I don't. <laughs> you know, not that I, not the, like, <clears throat> if I was fucking the chicks on the stage mm-hmm. and then a curtain went up and 500 people were watching, like, I would, I would continue. I, I yeah, could yeah. do that. But I don't think I could, like, be in a crowd. And, I don't know. It, it's, I don't want to pursue it. <laughs> Well, Steve does it, but Nacho is the guy who used to do that for a living. And uh, Rocco was visiting uh, Barcelona, and there was some club called um, Baghdad, ironically. Mm -hmm. And that's where Nacho used to fuck two to three live shows. And that's where, you know, Rocco found him. And tough way to make a living, man. Yeah. Seriously. Because you know they're not getting paid a lot. Yeah. Getting maybe what, 60 euros or something. Or if you're so. lucky, yeah, I'm sure. And <laughs> But that's where Rocco found him. And if he, he figured Nacho could be the guy to pass the mantle to him, you know? Right. So that's how um, Nacho got into business. But yeah, I mean, those sick live sex shows in yeah. Barcelona, it's crazy. They just. Europe's cool, man. I, I, I encourage everybody to go check it out. But. So you, you were working for a long time, you know, and uh, just award after award and not just perform, fucking performing, but acting as well. Yeah. And you said you left twice. So talk about first time. Why, why did you? You want my whole fucking life story? <laughs> Jesus Christ. You. 
They're going to buy the books. No, they're not going to buy the book. Cause, oh, I'm just going to go fucking listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I left, you know, uh, kind of, you know, hit my wall, so to speak. Uh, what year aspects. was that first time? Um, 97 was like my first, first January 97. I was at the award show and that's when I, I won best actor for uh, bad wives and I, it wasn't an announcement, but it was kind of like, all right, I, don't, I can't really do anything else more in this business, so uh, it's been nice. See ya. Literally what I said. So I left for you know four years, and I was. Um, Is that right? I was. Uh, I was. I went to Groundlings. Yeah. Improv comedy group, and was studying there. Uh, I was doing scene study with, uh, with an acting coach, a very respected acting coach. And I kind of had this dream, this fantasy or dream, whatever desire. I wanted to, I wanted to really act. I wanted to get into Hollywood mm -hmm. pictures, movies, TV shows. Did did people recognize you sometimes? Uh, not in my class. You know, in my in in the Groundlings class, one of the girls in my class was a dancer for Janet Jackson, and she goes, "I finally figured out why you look so familiar." Oh my god! Because Janet Jackson like brings like a ton of porno on the road. She did for her and her dancers to all watch when they're doing these tours. <laughs> so, I, so you know, Janet, if you're listening to this, we need to talk, girl. <laughs> we need to talk. You, need to, really you need to stop being shy. You need to hook up. Yeah. So she recognized me, but and then in my the, my acting class, it was if anybody did, they didn't say anything. Yeah. And we were doing scene study. We were doing like you know like Sam. I Shepherd would imagine plays. it's easier for guys fucking. The stigma versus women, right? Well, you know, if a guy does it, he's cool. If a yeah. chick does it, she's a whore. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what everybody kind of puts it up as. Right. Um, but I remember, um, you know, I, 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 I remember that I didn't want people to discount me because they may have recognized me or sure. knew what I did, did in movies. I wanted them to know that I was serious about my craft. I was serious about learning it. And I really, I wasn't doing it to be a better porn actor. I was doing it because I wanted, you know, I'm a, I'm a cinephile. Yeah. I love movies. I love good stories told on, on the screen. So when I see something and I and I see the, you know, a lot of times I, I can see the craft. I can see what an actor is doing. And I'm like, yeah, he's, he's there. He's, he's doing it. And a lot of times it, you don't. It's seamless. You watch somebody like Daniel Day-Lewis and you're like, how the fuck? Did he come up with that character and there will be blood? Like, like how, how do you develop that? And that interests me. It's like, you know. That character was a motherfucker, too. Oh, one of the, one of the best films in the last 20 years. And, uh, and people, oh, didn't, you know, wasn't much said. Didn't have to say anything. He embodied yeah. that individual, that character. And so you, you watch people like that or, you know, I love Michael Fassbender. I think Michael Fassbender is probably going to be, he's going to be like the new Brando if he isn't already. He's so, he's got the stillness in, in him. Well, oh, he, he was great in shame. You can't take your, yeah, you can't take your eyes off him. And hunger where there was a scene yeah. in the movie, they only did it one take, it's 16 minutes long. It's him talking to his priest and uh, priest, parenthesis, uh, I guess one of the right. leader for Irish. Don't give it away. Don't be yeah. a spoiler alert. But um, 
but it was 16 minute one take it's yeah. a he's a huge ass long line after line and uh it's it's a one take i met steve mcqueen the director of, of hunger in in venice uh he he got he received an award from the gucci group for crossover uh artist who's coming from one medium to film and, and wait, wait what was he doing before being a director he was uh a artist sculptor he came out of uh, I forgot oh. what school of design or school of art. I didn't know that. But yeah, he was uh, he was an artist, and so uh, and he's very very shy, very quiet guy. Um, and you talked to him? Yeah, just briefly, you know, like for a minute when before he went on on stage. But you know, it's weird when you're when you're in Italy and most of the people are speaking French, and there's Italians and there's some English. You're kind of you know, kind of just. You just kind of float around, you yeah. Know? And and people don't know who you are, speaking of him, and you you know you don't know who they are. It's weird. It's people kind of feeling people out, and of course nobody is going to be outgoing in those situations. It's really about pomp and circumstance. But uh, yeah, he he was a nice guy, and uh, and Hunger was a was a, a great movie. Ironically, I had produced a co-produced with my producing partner a feature film and one of the uh the things that we did in the film is we had very long takes so we had like 11 12 minute takes uh in our film so uh and that wasn't my idea that was the idea of, of my producing partner who also uh directed it and we co-wrote it but everybody after was saying you know the uh, we took to film festivals. We won some some film awards, and people were like, "Oh, it's very much like Antonioni, you know, Michelangelo Antonioni." Oh, really? Hey, do you hear about this this other movie? Do really long takes. It's called Hunger. This guy named Steve McQueen, and we're like, "Who the?" First of all, I was like, "Who the fuck is going to name themselves Steve McQueen? How dare you? You know, yeah. there's only one Steve McQueen." But, um, you know that. Speaking of hunger, and, and though that that long take i mean that that comes about because of a desire to tell the story and having a limitation of of money yeah and uh and in the in the appreciation of telling a story and letting it air and breathe the way it needs to as opposed to quick cut quick cut can we cut here we cut there you know and that works but you know a story driven thing you know, you, you feel like you're there, and uh, so you could tell he's an intelligent, intelligent guy. Yeah, he's very talented. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's 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 I don't know if it's uh, something that you want to watch for the whole family, but his his stuff is beautifully done. Really heavy subject matter, you know. Yeah. And I, 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 well, you know, one of course he won the Academy for um, the Slave movie. Why am I forgetting the name of it? Twelve uh, Years a Slave. Yeah, and. Shame, God, I, I love that. Shame's movie. great, yeah. And uh, Fessbender, man, he um, even in bad movies, he's great, you know what I mean? It's like seeing like Michael Jordan as like a really bad team or something, it doesn't really matter what, uh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he exudes like yeah. even a uh, Magneto in uh, X Men, you know, he's just uh, you know, who I really uh enjoy too is Tom Hardy. I met him, oh, yeah, I, I went to uh, a Bronson premiere five, six years ago, oh, okay, and this is a guy. 
uh, the movie's made by Nicholas Griffin I was talking about. Right. Yeah. And, and his his friend is Bill Lustig I was talking right. about who right. had an option in that other book and uh, who I want you to meet. But uh, Nicholas Griffin and Bill Lustig, they did a commentary for the movie Bill made from late 70s, early 80s, porn. It wasn't even Bill Lustig's idea. It was Nicholas Griffin. Hey, why don't we just do commentary for the two porn that you made, you know? So, oh, wow, that's uh, cool. I, I, my friend loaned to me. I haven't had a chance to listen to the commentary, but I would love to hear it. But yeah, Nicholas Griffin was there. He did uh, uh, The Drive and, and uh, Pusher. Great series, if you haven't seen it. It's a Danish film three parts and uh it's incredible they, it's i don't think I, i've seen pusher i'll tell you um the film that i still don't understand was the last one he did with uh ryan gosling um, only god forgive yeah it yeah. was just a bizarre fucking movie but i don't want to get off topic yeah, yeah I, I, then, I didn't really get into that but, but i love the drive and uh for the bronson so my friend Rick Hall, who used to work for Evil Angel and Hustler, he invited me to go, and um, they're premiering with Bronson like five, six years ago, and they were shocked because Nicholas Riffin was walking around. He was very nice. Tom Hardy, I didn't really know who he was, but he was magnificent in that yeah. movie, and those two brought their friend, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. And, <laughs> and, and, their friend, Leo. Yeah, Leo Leonardo. and Toby uh, McGuire and, uh, from Spider-Man. So, yeah, it was like, it's one of those Hollywood nuns, like, Oh, I just came to see the movie. I didn't even know the director yeah, was there. Yeah. But yeah. Tom Hardy's great. He's, um, you know, he did this movie called Lock, where it's just him in a car. It's him in a car for, and it sounds boring. I'm telling you, man, you totally forget. He's, you know, his. For some reason, he can't get out of the car or something. No, no, he's just driving somewhere, yeah. but he's he's having to juggle like five different things that are going on in yeah. his personal life, and he's having to, you know, softly massage and manage each of these yeah. situations because you know there's, there's high stakes involved and then uh uh the drop he did with james gandolfini he's so good in that and uh and i, I saw him he's gonna be him, mad max I, too i saw yeah yeah oh my god i, I saw him in a third thing too where uh inception no something smaller than that I, it'll come to me but you know he just He's got. He was in the last Batman movie too. Of course, he was. He's just got a way to be. Um, you know, he's, he's one of these guys, man. He just you, you can tell that he's not acting for the camera. He's inhabiting the char the character. And it's great. It, is it fair to say like animal magnetism? And, and I don't speak about this in like I'm putting myself in that category. Like yes, I too embody the characters <laughs> in my porn movies. Like dude, people got to understand like a lot of times we get the scripts yeah. like two days before. They're not well written. Sometimes you got to improv and ad lib to kind of liven up the character, and you know, and you have a very happens. limited amount of time to. You don't have it. any yeah. time to rehearse. Like come to the set, run the lines. And then, of course, I always get stuck. Hey, can you help the girl run her lines? I'm like, she's fucking hitting the crack pipe. I can't. Yeah. Kidding. Nobody smokes crack <laughs> and, and porn anymore. But, you know, <laughs> it, there's no, you know, there's no six months. You know, they, I didn't rehearse for six months uh, for Dog Walker by going, you know, on these fucking jewel heists with, you know, these these guys. And, you know, it's like I would love to do that. I would love to be you know, somebody goes you're gonna play you're gonna play jerry lewis like wow okay that requires some fucking work you know so 
I gotta remind the listener the Dog Walker. It's a great film. Dog yeah. Walker, yeah. Dog the music and all that like a stylish style. man, yeah. stylish. And uh, it's it's um, porn classic. It's one of those like if you want to know about porn history, it's one of those movies that you need to watch. You know, there's we know. Uh, anyone who's who, been in who, business, who played uh, God? What's his name? Um, he was in it. He played the boss guy. In the beginning, at the table with Chris, with with Christina Angel, uh, he's got curly black hair. I could see beard. him right now. You could see I I I'm drawing a blank on his name. I'm sure when you were driving out of here, you it's gonna it's come. It's gonna to fucking you. bug me, and then I'm gonna throw a stone through your window because I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> um, I want to say Harry Reams, but it's not Harry Reams. It's something like that. I remember he used to have bad body odor. He would, like he, I don't know if he like didn't shower. There's somebody, there's somebody beside Ron Jeremy with a bad. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if he was a drinker or like just didn't shower. Yeah. He, you know, I, I, he was out there, man. Uh, and I don't. It's it's like between Harry Reams and Joey Silvera. It's like in between. Uh, Jesse, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's a good movie, man. It's a good movie, and uh, and. Uh, it, it stands the test of time. It, you it can really watch does. that now, and and it would wouldn't look dated. I mean, it's shot on film, so it's got a very it's not very clear and defined like HD video. Um, but I like film. But the man. locations are very nondescript. Yeah, like you you can't put a. I I think maybe the only thing that would date it would be the fucking car in the alley, you know, the fucking Lincoln Continental. But. Yeah, this this Jerry Pikes in it and fucking Jay Ashley and Wow. Uh, in fact, this is Christine this is, Angel, man. And Christine this is the twentieth anniversary of the movie too. Is it? Know? Yeah, nineteen. Is it? Yeah, twentieth. Wow. Yeah, I didn't win. You know, I really thought I was going to win Best Actor uh, that when I got nominated for it. I didn't. I think Mike Horner won that year. But yeah, it's a, it's a movie I'm proud of. I always mention it too. I always mention it. It's it's a it's a big one. It mm. really is, and um, yeah, I, I really miss John because he, uh, he he could be gruff and like you know if you don't do your job he get mad at you. But other than that, man, he treat everyone well, and he made something for us one time to eat. And like man, mm -hmm. he he is like yeah, he cook. really was a Renaissance man. You know? Yeah, no, yeah. he was. Those are the types of people that you know people don't, you don't hear about. You don't hear about them, uh, and when you find them, you know, you hang on to them because I, I think, uh, I think, just people are probably fucking bored right now in the podcast. Like, oh, dude, shut up! Tell me who the favorite chick is that you want to fuck. But you know, having <laughs> the, having Some time to reflect upon my own life. Yeah, I'm, I'm 45. Um, you know. For me, there's a value of accumulating a skill set in these and in, in interests in different things. You know, in LA here specifically, it's all about entertainment or the newest fucking gadget. Yeah. And yeah, people travel. Ah, I, I went to a five star resort in Mexico. That's not traveling, you know. With that said, you know, uh, learning to be good at something. And something simple. It doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. You don't have to pick up scuba diving. You know, you know something. Just the art of learning to cook food. If you learn to cook food, that naturally attracts people. 
and you can pick and choose the people that you want around you in a, in a social setting where you can get to know them and uh, you know find out about what how their lives are and you can surround yourself with a, a wide array of good people um, you know and all those things all the good things in life kind of kind of center around food you know you got wine and then obviously most likely if somebody's into good food and wine they probably know a little bit about yeah. art or they read so these are like the, the spokes of the wheel so to speak that come out from that hub of learning to cook and so many people don't know don't want to cook for themselves they go out they go to restaurants all the time or they get fast food sure it's like you're really selling yourself short and and uh you know, so I mean, something as simple as that can really enhance your life. It, it was tough for me because I remember the last couple of years uh, when John was alive. I guess he was concerned because his number was maybe dropping compared to what it was earlier. Yeah. You know, because John cared about what he did. He only filmed things that he think is sexy. But time was changing. You know, I think um, Mike Elbow. He used to work. Time wasn't changing. People were changing. People were changing. Yeah, yeah. Michael Elbow was saying uh, through my friend. Uh, that ever since like in the mid to late 90s where extreme sports porn got kind of extreme right like it, it wasn't even like sex anymore it, like, no it became a sport it became a sport and like a freak show in a way yeah, yeah. and john was never into that he's into like in you know voyeur series like you know he's hiding and filming women changing or sticking mm -hmm. a shot i love the voyeur series yeah. i think the voyeur the voyeur series is so you know again you know there was a time when porn was erotic and it was about worshiping the female form and being enamored by the mysterious woman who you know had you know uh, ill intentions uh and now you know it's shifted into this this um where the 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 tone is humiliation degradation of girls and sometimes and, malicious too oh it's very malicious yeah. even if the girls like like ah you can smack me around and five yeah. dudes but, but you know it's uh and then coercion you know it's like you know the girl i uh oh i caught you stealing money out of the coffee machine um i'm gonna tell the school security no please don't so i'll get kicked out and, uh, okay well suck my dick yeah you know the coercion thing you know unfortunately it's this you know this is reflecting a mindset or the mindset is reflecting this thing where there is uh i i, I think there's a there's truly a hatred of women by a lot of men. And I, I think a, a part of it is a byproduct of husbands that gotten divorced and fucked over for numbers of years and their sons hearing their dad's fucking, that fucking seat cunt fucking took my money and ran off with yeah. such and such, you know. So it, it, it skews their, how they view girls and women and it just carries down and carries down so this humiliation thing where it's like hey dad look aren't you proud of your girl i just took five black cocks in my ass and it's like where did that come from you know that like that's i mean do you remember, do you remember? It, it, it appeals to a very fucked up purient uh thing i'm not saying that's not hot <laughs> right you know but it's more of the common theme as opposed to the the exception. I, I think if you come from well adjusted family house and like you have a normal relationship, it's porn could be fun and naughty or whatnot. But if you come from really 
fucked up background yeah. and and you didn't have a parents that talk to you about sex and stuff something's gonna fill that vacuum you know what i mean and uh, unfortunately a lot of these young people watch porn and they're they're different kind of porn I, you know i didn't grow with this really weird rough shit you gotta realize that this is fantasy this is re you know this is fantasy enactment um but you know you you can't get rid of you, you can't do this shit on the street no you know if you if you were to if you were to accidentally walk into the women's bathroom at a really nice restaurant and you saw a couple ladies you know nice skirts heels applying makeup to their face you wouldn't just stand there and go hey ladies <laughs> look what the kitchen delivered and yeah. they just whip down you know start finger banging them and oh my god i've never done that before my boyfriend's outside be quick that just don't happen that's yeah. why we have porn but i mean there's some people are so fucked up in the head they go well that's how you treat they'll them. walk in there and they'll go suck my dick get out of here creep or <laughs> you know it's like what dude yeah it's like man you know how you have sex be charming be nice have a personality and actually like experience women. something in life has something to talk about and learn to that no is not the end of the world you know you can't all they can't all be you know it's i learned sales when i was you know doing these jobs before i got into porn and it was this thing it's like you know make 10 pitches and your one will sell yeah it's numbers game you know there's just somebody out there who if you walk into a room oh my god who is that that's i i want him there's there's plenty of girls like that you just got to get to the ones that aren't fucking paying attention they're on their phones or they're they're just wrapped up in some shit so you, if you talk to a girl and you buy her a drink or whatever and she doesn't fucking drop down on her knees and start blowing you in the bar she's not a fucking slut she's yeah. just a normal human being and you just move on and find find the chick that looks at you and go oh my god you're my ryan gosling you know you're right because i know many of my black and italian friends it's like they're so aggressive hitting uh, people hitting on the yeah women. It's from watching porn yeah but they're they basically like i ask sometimes like does that really work and you're exactly what you said it's a number game if you just do enough you're going to hit something you yeah know? yeah you know a guy you know i had it explained to me by somebody today Derek pierce actually he's like you know the the end game for a lot of guys that aren't in porn is to go out and get laid and for girls, the end game is like, I'm just going out with my friends. I'm just going to put our purses in a group. We're just going to dance. You know? <laughs> the end game is like, oh, maybe if I wear this blouse, maybe I'll get laid. Maybe I'll get lucky. But the guy's just like, oh, got to get fucking laid. And for porn guys, for us, you know, that's what we do for a living. That's our job. So, right. Um, since it's not on our brain so much, you know, uh, he, he was speaking of himself. He goes out and the girl's, Listen, don't think that I'm going to sleep with you on the first date because I'm not that kind of girl. He's like, yeah, cool. I want to get to know you. What? Seriously? Oh, my God. And two weeks goes along, and, you know, and, and that to him has value. He wants to know somebody, you know. I, I just remember something. So, you, you, you know, of course, Internet is one of the biggest crises to hit adult business. But I know, um, I, I guess maybe you were leaving at the time because what, what I learned in the last hour and a half but when the first HIV outbreak, what what was your reaction? Were you in the business still? I don't know. I think I was gone. You were gone. Okay. The Darren James? No, no. Even before that, in like '97, with uh, uh, Trisha Deborah, John Stelliano, and all. You know. Oh, 
I had I had left in '97. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's when it was yeah. happening. But when you heard it outside of the business, I mean, what what did you think? You know, Mark yeah. Wallace was supposedly did what he did, and yeah, did you know it the was, guy? I knew Mark Wallace. Yeah, uh, yeah it was, it's a shame. You know, it's a shame. It's it's a there's a risk. The risk is very very low for heterosexual transmission mm-hmm. between. Uh, you know, a guy and a girl with vaginal sex. The risks increase when there's anal sex. Yeah. The risks increase more when you're coming inside of a chick's ass. Mm-hmm. The risks increase more when there's several guys coming inside of a chick's ass. You know? The, the and it goes up if the guy's doing drugs or guy, gay porn. It goes up if the guy's hustling yeah. and doing gay fucking in-calls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or shooting fucking heroin or... You know, transsexual movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, let's face it. I mean, every. I don't know if you know if your listeners are familiar with the fact that the, this this condom law passed in LA County what year year two years ago. But you know, the heterosexual portion of the adult industry was painted as like this, you know, virus ridden. Um, you know, we're all we're just you know getting out of our cars like Banksy and just like tagging everybody yeah. with HIV. Yeah, you got it now. And the honest, the honest, the honest truth is the two people that were used as examples by AHF um, of the irresponsibility of the industry were people that were heroin users, needle users. Are you and, talking about Cameron Bay? Yeah, yeah. And were hustlers. And uh, and would have done anything to earn a dollar, obviously. And we're in a situation where they they you know they were offered care and money in exchange for say this, mm-hmm. you know. No, you're not going to hear that. You know, and I'll say the girl. I'll say I'll, some top girl, like let's say Jessica Drake. You're not going to hear somebody with that stature come down with that with with HIV and it's not going to be from like everybody had it it was dormant for like five years who fucking knew all of a yeah. sudden it changed it's not going to be that it's always an outsider that's doing some crazy shit some unsafe activity and they're trying to get into the business sure. and they get into the business and then they're doing their unsafe activity on the side and boom it catches up with them it's, or it's, it's somebody who's trying to get in the business who's like never tested before and because the tests all have to be reported to the county health department ahf will turn around and go oh somebody in the porn business has hiv well no it was somebody who's trying to get into the business never done anything who tested yet. positive right but because they wanted to be a performer you're lumping them in it's just you know it is it is amazing concerning how many hundreds and thousands of movies they have made every year in san fernando valley through the number how first. little it happened and uh, i think i i did a blog when I was battling this initiative, I did a blog post and I just, I roughed out the numbers, but I was like, I went, you know, it's like, okay, so you got 10,000 features, low number at one point, it was 10,000 titles a year. Five scenes times two people times such and such. And I was like, you know, times five, eight years since the last, it was like point, one it was like point two uh one hundred thousandth of a percent percentage of the of the actual encounters repeated encounters sure. p- 
people coming together after a day or, or longer and having sex again, uh, and then the people that were that were getting a, the, the or HIV test. It was it was like you know we're we're safe we are safer than your local food worker, the guy that makes your sandwich in the deli or at fucking McDonald's. We're safer than that. You have more of a chance of getting E. coli and dying from it eating out in a restaurant than catching HIV or hepatitis C or an STD if you happen to, you know, fuck a, a porn chick or a porn guy and you don't use a condom. Yeah. But, you know, and, um, that's the reality. Because it's, it's our life. Only time we have a problem when somebody violated, you know, I... Um, I don't know Mr. Marcus that well. He was he was always nice to me. He seemed nice enough guy, but he made a mistake a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, you know, and um, um, I'm not. It's not confirmed, but I, I'm pretty sure Brian Pumper did something really weird, Evil Angel, where he fucked with the test result paper when he, he one of the girls positive or something. You know. So you you know you, you hear this dumb story yeah bad people, decisions people are you but know overall in the industry as a whole they have a vested interest to make sure everyone is protected because they don't they don't last thing they need is government you know last thing i need is fucking 400 people looking at me going you motherfucker yeah you know it, it's funny fudging a test because it's expired or whatever yeah. or whatever is actually you know as opposed to if i were to go out and uh Go to a bar and pick up the, you know, some chick, take her home, drill her in the ass, come in her, rub my, wipe my dick on her drapes and leave. You know, they don't know about that. Yeah. But if I fudge a test, it's like, what are you fucking doing? Are you out of your fucking mind? Are you insane? And it's true. And it should be like that. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, listen, all of us have kind of gotten into the adult business because we had a promiscuous lifestyle. You know, let's not let's not say what it is, what it isn't. Say, but but huh? you guys, you guys are also s very small percentage, exclusive group of people who who actually perform in front of a camera. You know, and uh, uh, listen, by the t when I got in front of the camera, once I became a professional working porn actor, you know, my activities that I did prior to that. Listen, all the girls that I fucked prior to getting in the business, they didn't test. Mm -hmm. I didn't test. Honestly, you know, I just, you just, you know, you just, doesn't look like she's sick. Yeah. This is, this is the attitude, being totally fucking honest. I did not have my first HIV test until I went, started giving blood, you know, and they had, the, they used a Lysa test or Western sure. blot to test the things. And if you're good, you can come back. But, you know, it was, there was, there was years of me, I think I, I, probably fucked 400 over 400 chicks from the time i was 18 to the time i got in the business was 23 24 I, I, all around the country i fucked some nasty shit too <laughs> not a lot but you know yeah some i'm just like oh, I, I hope i can forget this and i have but and then once i was professional man i knew that if i was going to carry on that kind of behavior then, because you know, I was full time, I wasn't a, a wasn't a porn performer. I was making side income and doing yeah. selling vitamins. That was my job. That was my full time job. Was to sit at home, fucking watch TV and wait for the phone to ring, get a script, read the script, and show up. 
Yeah. Was my full-time job was to be a porn performer. And so if uh, I did something that put me and prevented me from working, what am I going to do? You know? And I didn't want to do anything else. Fucking, I'm lazy. I did, I did hard fucking labor at 13, you know, fucking concrete, throwing up fucking concrete forms and taking them down and hauling blocks up on construction sites, roofing. Car, I did all that shit. Yeah. In cold weather, too, and hot weather. It's, you know, builds character. I wouldn't want to do it now. Um, I have a couple more other questions, but I, I don't want to forget. I, I was really intrigued, and one of the reasons why I want to talk to you, uh, this is a big one. When you told me you went to France and art, and like, I was really impressed, I'm, and I'm glad you did that, but I didn't know you even painted. So what Yeah, I didn't either. Oh, <laughs> what what prompted you to like go to France and? Well, I mean, as far as the we'll start off with the painting. You know, I I started. Uh, I was an artist when I was a kid. I was very good at drawing, mm-hmm. and uh, and I kind of lost touch with that. And I needed a creative outlet. You know, porn, as great as it was and is, and has given me a great life as an adult. Uh, it f- does not fulfill. Uh, a portion of me that needs a creative output, mm-hmm. something I'm totally in control of, something that I'm responsible for. So uh, art, I, I've always loved art. So I was like, I, I picked up the brush and I just started. I didn't know how to paint. I just taught myself. And I paint in the style of abstract expressionism, which, you know, for, for people that hate it and think it's, oh, it's just fucking smudgy colors. Uh, there's there's a, an art and a science to it, and there's a technique that an artist develops. Um, I don't paint, paint landscapes. I don't paint portraits, but I probably will do... You know, I'm a big fan of Modigliani. Uh, I love his style and that portrait, so you know, I would love to move in that direction eventually. So I had started painting in my home, and then, uh, you know, one of the things... Uh, uh, I did, did this artist uh, retreat for a couple of weeks in France, um, and when I was there, I just I was like, you know what, this is where I, I was done with LA. It was I had a shitty relationship at the time, and uh, it was to the, to the point where I was either to kill myself or kill that person. Yeah, and I say that jokingly, but it just was not happy. Things were not going where I wanted them to go and I was like, I need to break need to break out. So I went and uh and so You stay in Saint Tropez or did you stay No, no, I was a little further east towards Nice. Okay. Um I had uh and so while I was there and I kinda traveled around Europe for a few months and and went back into France and um you know at, what it was was I, I met a woman uh I met a woman my age two months younger, two months older than me. And uh, just like probably that night, like I knew she was special. And I instantly fell, not instantly, but it was fell in love during the time that we were together for about four weeks. Yes. Okay. And when I, uh, when I came back from the States, I had to take care of some personal stuff. And I came back I was just in this place of just felt like a weight was off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. I was in love. The uh, I was in the south of France. I was in a really good place, and I had gotten stuck 
painting. I couldn't paint any decent shit when I was here. Like I was kind of learning, and then I just hit a brick wall. And then for because I was in the state of joy and happiness and feeling like everything, anything was possible, I just went to the store and I picked up some stuff and I started painting. And and like I didn't even pick up from my style what I was doing in L.A. Like it it just jumped like just steps ahead and i what ended up happening is i developed a style that i have not seen other a technique i should say that i have not seen any artists uh ever doing and it was just kind of organically and just naturally and bottom line is uh i needed a workspace in order to work through the winter because it's cold and rainy and windy yeah so this workspace that i got had just been renovated and was actually it was like a gallery space. So I ended up having a workspace and a place to show my paintings in this small village. Uh, and so uh, over the course of a year and a half, I did 40 paintings and I sold uh, more than half of them. And I sold them, you know, uh, like out of the gate. That's like for an emerging artist yeah. from California yeah. in a French village who didn't speak French. Like that's some good shit. And they really had not, you know, again, you know, I was constantly, I was working, I was painting every day. I was constantly working my technique, trying to emulate oil. And um, so I, I, had, I developed a process and I devo developed a, a technique of getting a relief out of the canvas. So it made people want to kind of reach out and touch it. Yeah. And I wanted to make it look old. I wanted to make it look like it was oil. And so... Through trial and error, I, I figured out how to do that. And people had not seen that in that region. And for the people that liked uh, abstract art and had traveled around Europe and had homes in London and Berlin and Copenhagen and whatnot, you know, they, they see it. They like, yeah, that's good. For the people that don't like that and like more traditional stuff, like portraits and seascapes and landscapes mm -hmm. and whatever, you know, to them, it's just like, uh, whatever. So, um, but a lot of people who did not like abstract uh, came would come in and tell me, I don't normally like abstract, but I walk by your stuff and I like your, I like your stuff. And my stuff was kind of bright, a lot of colors, you know, and people would say, it's got a very California thing to it, which is ironic because all the colors that were in my paintings were really, um, um, they were motivated by the colors in 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 France, by the sky and the buildings and the dirt so and the clay. You, you had a great time in France. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, the relationship um, ran its course, I guess, for that time period. Maybe it'll pick back up uh, again in the future, my hope. Um, fortunately, I have not really had too much communication. But, you know, I, um, uh, I really felt strongly about this individual. And, um, you know, having the benefit of having slept with and, and, and had sex with all these beautiful women, different types, you know, uh, the sex was great, but it was the person that I was attracted to. Yeah. And uh, they're not perfect. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I love... I love the un, the, the non-involvement of the government uh, in certain aspects of people's lives over there. Um, I, I am a, 
weird. It's, I'm kind of a libertarian, but I'm also conservative in a way as I've gotten older. Um, but basically, I believe in less government mm -hmm. on uh, on a federal level, uh, state level, municipal level. And I think, uh, you know, legislating every nook and cranny of people's private lives, what they can and can't do, what they where they can park and... Uh, there's a point where it goes beyond uh, the concern of safety for the public. And it's just a way of making money. For sure. And, uh, you know, there, there are parts of, you know, I, I would love to explore Spain. France is great. France, unfortunately, is very expensive. And France is... I love southern France. I was yeah. there 12 years ago and yeah. I stay in Canada. It's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. beautiful. But the taxes are high and the idea of socialism, unfortunately, you have a large generation of people that... They will never give up the idea of socialism that, you know, and they've they've paid into it for years. So they want to get their fucking pensions. Sure. But socialism, uh, that idea, it doesn't work in free market world. And, and that's where we're going is a free market world. You sound like a Milton Friedman. But now. there's also like the north coast of Africa, like uh, Morocco, Algeria. Oh, you've um, been to those places? I have been to Tunisia uh, and I think Algiers. But I haven't been in the interior. But I have friends that, and other artists, people that I knew that would they would go there and vacation, like in the cold. You know, actually, the Riviera gets cold in France. They'd go to Morocco. I'm like, oh, it's fucking 85, 90 degrees. It's fucking great. I'm like, so you guys, you're vacationing in Morocco. But you know, uh, I like that culture. I like that whole Mediterranean, North African thing. It's it's interesting. I know a lot of people think of it as third world to me it's like that's the essence of life it's like you get up you have your house you you, you make your food um you do your thing whether it's writing or for me it would be writing i would love to to just paint and write just all through the day and you go into the village at yeah. such and such time and you have your fucking tea or your coffee or your your sandwich whatever everything's slowed down nobody's concerned about all the things that were really got our heads wrapped up today and, and it seems like in this city. Um, I completely agree with you because I, I, I was invited to Southern France from one of my friend's sister and she was the first or second Japanese woman to get cert certificate of French cooking. She wrote a book and she even taught um, French cooking at NHK, which is like, you know, PBS or BBC of Japan. And, right. and I went to her place and the French definitely uh, have a way of living life really well with yeah. food and wine and like, you know, she made me couscous and all this different amazing meals for the whole week. And like, no no wonder the rich people was talking about having property in Southern France and, you know, just, just the, I mean, it's kind of hard to explain someone who's never left the States, you well, know. But well, the, the attitude in, in, in these, there's a name for it, but these kind of Mediterranean, like especially in Italy, you know, you have to understand that these countries for hundreds of years have been ruled by tyrannical rulers. Life has been fucking miserable yeah. uh, for centuries. So the only respite that they have from is is food. And you got to understand that people had to grow their own food or they had a goat or, yeah. you know, it was a barter and trade thing. People didn't get a check at the end of the week for $1,500 and go buy some steaks at Whole Foods, you know, or fucking whatever, you know, 
Absolutely still farms. Absolutely true, because that's another thing I think Europeans are different in that these young girls I saw in southern France where, where they, they go to market every day, they're walking every day, so they stay skinny, yeah. but they're picking fresh Fresh fruit, producing. locally grown. Yeah, every day. No pesticides. Yeah, and, and, um, and you know, I, I've been to Eastern Europe too, and um, I'm not a fan of communism, but I have to say, one one of the things that communism did to those girls because they didn't have access to all that fatty food and <laughs> so yeah, you yeah. see these skinny beautiful girls oh, in yeah. eastern europe oh, yeah. i mean early 90s you're 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 in the business man there's so many of these oh, the girls that came over from hungary and we were like oh, <gasps> holy fuck big natural breasts tan skin just wide hips the, uh, the white part of their eyes so clear yeah, yeah, and like skin yeah, yeah. just I, I don't know that's why yes going to porn convention the first time is fun still for you uh, now but they have no idea when i went in like 1999 to uh until 2006 or 7 when i started noticing problems you know because Dude, convention, convention I, was huge back in those days i uh, you know there there are individuals in this business girls that are five four and 140 pounds i'm like how can you be 140 but they look like they're wearing little fat suits and then they'll, i'm a vegetarian no you're fucking not potato chips is not a vegetable yeah you know and they're eating all this processed fucking manufactured food and then you know they're they're doing it all wrong and they they think by i don't eat meat i'm a vegetarian well you look like you're fucking ready to die um but going back to you know the whole food thing is you know people had to they didn't have a lot of money they had a, mostly a vegetable diet and meat was expensive it was a it was a a, um, a treat yes and anyway so you know you that that was it you wanted to make a meal you wanted to enjoy uh, invite your friends over and you would take two hours or three hours to eat a meal. Because the rest of your day fucking sucked. And some of the Kingsmen would fucking probably fuck with you the next day, if not fucking hack you to death or whatever. You know, yeah. it's fucked up. Europe is not all fucking tea and crumpets like people think. That's that's London. That's the upper class. Europe is a brutal, was and is still a lot. You know, it's not, not, not now, but it was a brutal fucking time for uh, millions of people. So food was your respite. So these these countries like, Italy, they're masters of the cuisine, and and French Great cooking, meals and, in Rome. And, um, and and you know North Africa, Morocco, and Spain. Uh, that's awesome. When's the last time somebody had a two-hour lunch? When two-hour lunch here every day? It's like hour and a half, two-hour lunch. I think it might have something to do with the whole Protestant work ethic, and people think you shouldn't take too much pleasure in life. So yeah, look where that's gotten us. So Northern Europe, they they have food, of course, but it's it's not pleasurable. But when you go southern Europe, like Italy, France, Spain, food—you know—it's—it's it's like it's a—you it's, have a really good meal to spend and have experience with the friends and right. family members, you know. And and a lot of times the summer months are really fucking hot, so you're trying to stay out of the sun. You're out in the field working, so two hours for lunch, man. I need you need that break because then you're going to be working. It's not like you're not working eight, twelve hours a day. You're just working later into yeah. the night, you know. Yeah, man, I you know, Europe's just great. And listen, uh, and I'm not saying to discount America. America, uh, the geography of uh, of America is, is something. I think people should travel around all the fucking states in the United States yes. before maybe going to Europe. 
but maybe go to Europe before you know, the Russians bomb it. I don't know. But like, I'm not saying you know. It, what I it, mean, we we both love, of course, we love America yeah. too. But we we don't do everything perfect. I've and, been to 38 of the 50 states. I mean, my a good friend of mine, he's done like 65,000 miles on his Harley Davidson mm-hmm. through the last six seven years, and he just goes around through the West and the Midwest. You know, works in Alaska on a fucking job for six seven months, and then he's got three months off. He just rides his Harley. And you know, it's just this country is beautiful. It is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. And it's massive too. It's huge. I drove from Indianapolis to LA. Alaska's three times the size of Texas, and oh. you know Texas is big. Maybe even maybe even bigger. But um, I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad you had a chance to take a time off, enjoy life, and you know France. I know, uh, especially people who's never been to Europe or France, they will say stuff about French people, but my experience is they're really nice. and I love the food over there, and I've never had any problem there. Me, yeah. You know, I tell people this. If, if somebody from another country came over and was trying to communicate with you in English and they were mispronouncing the word, but you knew what they were trying to say, sure. like, uh, uh, you know, uh, restaurant or food or mall, you know, most of us, we wouldn't, like, look at them and go what the fuck you talk learn how learn how to speak english then come into the country yeah we help them out yeah you know what they're saying what do you, you want to go somewhere if you go over to another country and you make an effort to speak french or italian or spanish you're gonna fucking hack it up maybe not but people will appreciate it yeah so you're trying but if somebody comes to you and they're speaking swahili and you don't know swahili what's your reaction like fuck off don't bother me so if you make an effort Learn some fucking words. Hello, thank you, excuse me. You know, just co- co- yeah, common if to, terms. If, if you go to a store in Paris, say bonjour or bonsoir, depends on the day or night. And um, if you're trying, then they 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 um, they appreciate that. And, and open your ears too. I mean, you know, if you just shut your ears off and then you're just talking in English to your fucking yeah. your date or whatever, you're not hearing the sound. Like, stop fucking talking. You, know, you do enough talking and texting here in the United States for a lifetime. You can go over to Europe and, and yeah. not talk for fucking three hours and just listen and just listen to people. You'll learn a lot. You know, it'll be a good thing. Any anything else you want to talk about? No. Um, you want to talk about you want to talk about the film? Yeah, yeah. Talk, please, please. <laughs> Um, talk, talk about your documentary if you like, and uh, anything. That, no, we we. I want you to tell the listener like your you know website, Twitter account, the oh, project Jesus. you're working All on. All the boring shit. Yeah, you know, and, I, and how they could contact you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm on social media. I got a I got a website, uh, StephenSanCroy.com. I'm on Twitter, StephenSanCroy one, the number one. Uh, and then I have a I have a YouTube channel called uh, I think it's the Stephen St. Croix. but. Uh, Occasionally during my jobs on the set, I'll take certain people aside that I find interesting and hot, which are mostly girls, and I'll just kind of do an interview with them and just you know shoot the shit. So um, uh, that seems to be very uh, popular. Mm-hmm. And um, so one of the things that uh, got a lot of response, I did an interview with Mark Davis uh, a few months ago, and then I did James Dean. Um, I just I just saw him uh, um, Sunday in Santa Barbara. Uh, I, I never talked to him, but he was really really nice. Yeah. 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 So uh, 
So I do these interviews, and I, you know, I, I, I like mostly the pretty girls because I know that's what the guys want to see and, and you know, listen to. But occasionally I'll do guys in the business, you sure. know, guys that have been around. So anyway, I started um, after writing the book and doing these interviews, it just kind of, kind of continued and kind of shaped into something else. And I started. I, I decided that I was going to do a documentary film about the male. The, the male performers in the adult industry. Yeah. Uh, mainly because um, I feel a lot of us Nick, who work like together that. are very similar in our backgrounds mm -hmm. and some of us are different. But uh, again, going back to that analogy of like soldiers in battle, like once they experience battle together, it's something nobody else can experience with sure. them unless they were there. And uh, so I wanted to, I was curious as to how other male performers processed their time in the business how they got into it how they observed it how it affected them were they happy were they sad were they miserable were they just like oh this is fun and then at the same time i realized that um uh, as far as documentaries are concerned they're usually very uh they're downbeat they always end on uh you know they, they try to make uh, make us out to feel like uh you know we're this uh, island full of misfit t toys and everybody's made a bad decision and they have these regrets and oh how sad they are and i really think that's unfair i think uh, anything can be easily skewed that way i think sure. anybody's had dreams and desires and what they wanted to be and what they ended up being and whether or not they took the right course or they kind of went about it through mistakes and and whatnot and everybody has regrets and I think it's a cheap way to do a documentary and to put it out there and, oh, you know, poor, poor Belladonna, poor so-and-so, um, you know, now they're, they're not so young and they're not so hot and now they're struggling to make it. Mm. You know, I think that's just bullshit. So I wanted to do a documentary that tells it as it is and celebrates uh, it as much as it, you know, can maybe be a, a, a warning uh, lesson to to people and not so much about getting into porn but into maybe thinking that you know things are going to come easy for you or that you're entitled yeah to success and money especially in this this time in this world right now like you know nobody knows what the fuck is going on and these people and i think it's because they were their parents gave them everything as kids gave them fucking smartphones and toys and whatever they cried they got a toy they had the sense of entitlement like i'm pretty or i'm hot or i got a big dick or whatever and i'm in porn so i'm entitled uh or i'm you know whatever you do not just yeah. porn but this sense of entitlement and that things should be easy because i'm beautiful or i'm handsome and that's just like that's not the fucking reality so i wanted the documentary to really be an honest look at that and it's uh it's you know pot it's a pro porn documentary and it's um it's going to be the top 25 guys in the business, past, present, and... Um, Would you mind naming some of the names? Or Oh, yeah. We got Marcus London. We got um, uh, James Dean, which I sat down mm -hmm. did an interview on my YouTube channel. Not for this film, but we will sit down. Um, Tommy Gunn. Uh, we got Rocco Sofredi, uh, Manuel Ferrara. Um, I'm sure you got uh, Nacho in there. Uh, if I can find Nacho, yeah. it's hard to, hard, hard to get to. Uh, Randy Spears, Herschel Savage, uh, you know Paul Thomas. I mean, these are these are people that you know you know who they are, and they've they've done their time in the trenches. So you're going to have uh, some really good perspectives, and then also you know talking to the girls, 
mm-hmm. and finding out what what they like about their male performers and what they need yeah. for them to do their job. And uh, so it, it's I'm having a really good time talking to these guys. I've actually gotten a chance to really know them better because I, I I'm kind of a shy guy. Yeah, I don't really go out uh, too much socially in situations and um and i uh, you know i definitely have a wall up but getting to know these guys and i've known them on set and we've done movies together but and i'm sure when you talk to you reminisce and things that you might have forgot you know it's it's a fun thing to do right like yeah like even me talking to you for a little over two hours now like i learned things about you that i didn't i didn't know and uh, um the people that you know I just I, I don't know um, I, I just love this the your interest outside of the business I think that's terrific and the fact that you were acting for four years uh, taking classes that's great I, I, I um I mean you you were already a good act great actor you know and the fact that you want to get even better well that's um, just me I mean mm-hmm. this not everybody's like that I just you know I don't want to go through something half-assed I've done things half-assed mm-hmm. I've done things and not cared about it but there are certain things that I'm passionate about. And, you know, so uh, you only got one fucking life on this rock, as far as I know. Nobody's yeah. ever been able to come back and go, oh, yeah, there's there's something else beyond. It's going to be fucking cool. But all I know is that I only got, you know, 67 years on 60 or 70 years on, on this planet. Um, you know, and half of those are over. Mm-hmm. So I want to go see some shit, do some shit, and experience some shit. So yeah. uh, I'm doing it. And, and uh, so I wanted this documentary to be just kind of like my, maybe in a way. Now that I'm thinking about it out loud, maybe kind of like my 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 gift back to the business in a sure. way. Sure. Um, Do you I, have a I name for the movie? I have a potential name, um, but the Twitter uh, you can follow it. It's A P O F the film. That's uh, on Twitter, uh, and it's basic. The title's A Pound of Flesh. And um, I think, you know, a lot of times uh, the girls and the guys, especially the guys. That sounds like a merchant of Venice. They get a, well, it's it's actually <laughs> a derivative of that line. But we get, you know, we get viewed as just objects of, you know, desire yeah. and sex. And, and, um, and at the same time, you know, there's a bit of ourselves that we feel are, is missing from our time in this business. Just from things happening that we didn't know was going to happen or like, Oh, we paid the tax. So, you know, sometimes you want to get kind of get your pound of get back something you've lost. So it's kind of like this philosophical, uh, you know, fucking, I just think it sounds cool. Yeah. No, it's great. (laughs) And whether whether people take it serious now, although business is a big part of the history of Los Angeles, it it really is. And, uh, I'm I'm glad you're making a movie. When, when do you think you're planning to release? Uh, That's next you know year? what it's. Uh, I'm doing this by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I wish I could say I got a big fat check for some fucking distribution company, but uh, I'm really just doing it out of you know my own pocket, my own desire to to tell our story. So um, I don't know, but it will it will be made and it will be released and it will be available. Uh, if you have a question, or better yet, if you could help uh, Stephen with financing or editing, man, you know what? Please contact him or me and uh, make this thing happen. 
We, I will probably do a Kickstarter fund mm-hmm. for the post ed, the post production, which will be the editing portion and um, getting like screeners out to distribution company. Okay, but that that's a little bit off. But um, you know, right now I just want to sit down with all the guys and, and get all the interviews. So uh, yeah, we'll cross that bridge. And and the great thing is if, if you're a fan of porn and you want to be involved in something. That's porn related. Sure. Uh, I'm sure you know if we do the Kickstarter thing, that'll be a great opportunity to. And if, if you know, and nobody's ever done a documentary like this before. I got to say that too. Like nobody's actually just focused on the guys. Nobody's had the access, and because all the guys are outsiders that do. I'm an insider. I've been in it, so I, I I'm going to be able to get yeah the answers. I'm going to get a, you know a truthful depiction from the other performers because we've built we've all been in are you going to get a guy like sean michael or yeah, guys sean, like the, sean yeah, yeah. scheduled to, I'm, I'm scheduled to shoot uh sit down with uh sean in the next couple of weeks because for sure sean's for, huge yeah he's yeah. a huge huge icon in the porn business and i, I because i've got i really like um like laugh factory have um you know those you know chocolate sundays you know black comedy night right um, the guy who you, who still runs it, I, I kind of asked one time, why don't we have a show during the month of February, African History Month, where we, we praise the black performer in the business. He thought it was nuts, you know. But, yeah. you know, not only do most male talents never get recognized, but I'm sure, you know, I would like to hear Sean's point of view. Like, yeah. you know, uh, being an African-American, black person in the business, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stigma for both men and women performer in the business, but I can't imagine... I'm sure he had to deal with. No, certain, he's got. Yeah, yeah, he's got his journey, his story, and uh, and I've spoken to him about that, and he's totally down. So, you know, just gotta coordinate schedules. It's like I said, it's gonna be all the fucking names in the documentary. You're gonna know them if you're a fan of porn. Sure. And if you're not, you're gonna learn something. You're gonna learn something, and you're gonna be educated about it. And when somebody's saying some bullshit, you'll be able to correct them, and then you will impress the hot. 18 year old chick that's at that party who hears this conversation and she's going to take you in the bathroom and hike down her panties and say fuck me in the ass you <laughs> fucking smart motherfucker I'm Wait. a dirty fucking whore yeah don't you just like that look at me daddy I don't I don't I don't understand I know you do a lot of acting but how come you never tried to do stand up because I, you, you have a funny I didn't manner try, I didn't try stand up I did uh but okay when I was twenty it's, I'm not, one or twenty two, yeah. When I first came out here, I, I tried open mic nights, and they weren't even. It wasn't even like at the Improv or the Ice yeah. House. It was like in Downey, uh, fun, you know, some you know, uh, Pixies fucking <laughs> ha ha house. So uh, I, well, I wasn't ready, and I didn't know uh, about the craft of being funny. Having been around other comedians, um, I've kind of seen the process. But it's funny you mentioned that. I'm actually, something kind of started coming out of my head the last couple of weeks, and I talked to Jason Rouse about this. Jason's like, you should do a one-man show. You I, that's what I was going to say. And I said, you know, it's funny. Yeah, maybe that would work. And then I was like, I, like this, these, I wake up, my best thoughts come to me right when I wake up. It's really weird. And like, they're clear, like, wow, that's some fucking deep shit. And so I started kind of writing down these, these, uh, these myths that people have, or uh, you know, think about the porn industry, and then it was uh, like uh, I started writing 
down these things and I was like, there, there's something here. There's something where I could take this material and I could work it so that it's humorous. It's not, you know, it's not a punchline type of routine. No. But it's a routine in which uh, a little bit like uh, Chelsea Handler, you know, the, what she does. So that that could be... And you're not that a, could be coming out. I might need your help on that. And me and Ross would love to talk to you because uh, point of How view. How many people has I fucking this couch? This couch. This is like a porn couch, dude. Dude, no, that's how sink, it. That's how it is. You sink so low into yeah. this fucking thing. There's no cushion. No. I can literally. I can put my knee over here and my knee on the floor, and I could, I could fuck in a missionary. <laughs> you probably don't want to see me do that. Um. People. He has, but, he, has but, he has porn he has porn couches. But 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 think <laughs> about doing uh one man show and yeah. me and Ross could tell you but uh, it's just nice to hear like you're very respectful of people in the business and your point of view and all the because you've been making all this funny facial expression, you know, descriptive and sounds and um I'm a very funny motherfucker. That, that, that's on screen. On screen. And uh, you should <laughs> you should try that. Um but Stephen, th thanks for doing it. You, now you don't think people are going to confuse me with Dane Cook if I wear a Boston Red Sox hat? <laughs> because I used to, when Dane Cook was like in his fucking peak, people were like, "You remind me of Dane Cook." The and mannerism, the, yes. yeah, the mannerisms, the, the, yeah, the mannerisms were very expressive. The, the facial yeah. mannerism, yeah. And then even before that, people were like, "You, re you remind me of the, when Joe Rogan was on news radio. You like that guy on news radio, Joe Rogan." Yeah, we're very, you know, we're all from the East Coast. I mean, I, I uh, you know, I grew up outside of Boston, and I know, I know uh, Joe Rogan's from Boston. I think. Are you Red Sox? I think, uh, of course. Mm -hmm. And I think Dane is from Worcester, um, or something like that. So yeah, we're very. I don't know. Maybe it's just something in the water or something. But we're very expressive, and we're, you know, we kind of inhabit a lot of fucking funny people from Boston too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, right outside of New York City, Boston is huge. A lot of big you know, because there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain in that. It's a blue-collar community. Life is fucked up for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, <laughs> humor is a, uh, is a coping mechanism. There's some funny motherfuckers. And, and a fanatic sports fan base. Holy fuck. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. Oh, God. yeah, man. Don't fuck with a, with a Boston fan. Um, all right, Stephen. Thanks for doing it. Thanks, Joshua. Please um, follow his career. And I'm really excited about documentary and... You know, I, I, it's gonna I, be good I, shit. I I learned a lot about you today, and um, yeah, this is this will be a fun podcast, and uh, we're gonna put it up tonight as we uh, what we, that yeah, fast? Yeah, we're gonna put it up tonight. See, this is this is what I'm talking about. The consumption of media is so fast. You're actually, you know, you're making the problem worse. I think you should wait at least 24 hours before you put this up. Why? I don't know. It's too fast. Now you're going to have somebody in here tomorrow. See, okay? now I see the dang cook You're, you're right going to have somebody here tomorrow on this couch, okay? And your hand's going to be sliding across the cushion to my knee, to their knee, like <laughs> it did now. And, you know, it's going to be crazy. You're just, you know. You're I was supposed to release one yesterday. I'm late. So <laughs> I, got, I got to release oh, it. Oh, you're late. Sorry. Man. And uh, they're going to they're gonna love it because. Um, when the, Listen, when the documentary, when the, when the book, anytime something interesting comes out. I want you to do it again. I'm going to come on. We're going to do this live somewhere cool, like at the Improv. Or, or and I'll, I'll definitely work on you getting other uh, podcasts with a bigger number, too. So we get your name up there. And, Fuck uh, yeah, yeah, man. Love and listen, I can listen. I can bring girls. I'm not just saying that I can. I can. I know some people. I can bring some naked bitches up in this motherfucker. 
I, I think uh, we'll... You got to we'll, get your numbers up. So listen, if you're listening to this, tell your friends, subscribe to the fucking podcast. Let's get the fucking numbers up. We're going to get some naked bitches up in this motherfucker, okay? <laughs> All right. Steven, thanks. And thanks. Uh, um, we're going to have you back on again. and um, Soon. And in fact... Soon. In fact, go Patriots. Go fucking Tom Brady. <laughs> All the right. The fucking best quarterback ever. Well, Green Bay beat them. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know what? That was going to happen, but it's okay. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We're going to finish now, but uh, it it does look like that was a preview of what might happen again because 97, was it 97 when Patriots and Green Bay played? That game happens in Foxborough. Mm -hmm. Fucking Patriots win. Here we go. All right, guys, thanks, and uh, talk to you guys soon.